Hey, hello everyone. Sean Simons here, PPG Grandpa. We have a very long and interesting show. Tonight's guest is Brian Walker. If you have not seen this video, he's the one that was flying low, slaloming between some hay bales, got too close, put his foot out to push himself away just a little bit, and at 25 miles an hour flying, his foot went all the way back and broke. So he's out for the count right now, but he's going to tell us in detail what happened and what he thinks happened and what we can take away from this so this doesn't happen to anyone else we also have kevin can fly he's going to be the host because in this particular recording i was camping monday tuesday wednesday thursday uh this week and i was in the deep woods no internet no cell phone so i was very lucky that kevin took over we also have uh, jp uh, john palm we also have shane uh, which you know as Never Trust a Skinny Chef Shane. He's been paramotoring for a while, too, and he's on here. Linda, Linda Anderson, she is on here, too, so she's going to be uh, putting in her two cents worth. Unfortunately, I'm here for just the very beginning, and then I'm gone. The, the, the Internet totally went out on me because we were heading back down to the campground. So if you're listening to this, you're listening to this at paratalk.org. We have many different places that we are uh, uploading our audio. And if you want to actually see the video, you can go to my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com forward slash Sean Simons. We will also have a link down below in the description of everyone that's in this show. So thank you for listening and let's get on with the show. co-host uh, Kevin can fly and uh, because I got some really bad internet over here Kevin can you introduce everybody that's on the uh, channel right now yeah so today we have Brian Waller uh, he was presented last week on uh, the PPG adventure show they spotlighted his video and <clears throat> we were fortunate enough to get him on today to be able to discuss that video and the incident that he had and, and try to share whatever we learned from it we also have Linda Mama Linda, the happiest cheerleader of PPG we could ever have, and Sean Simons. So today we're going to talk with Brian about his incident and see what we can learn from it and go from there. So today we're just going to discuss that, Brian. Like I was saying, if you could walk us through that day, uh, the flight, what you were feeling, uh, so forth, and, and what we can go from that. Yeah, so, uh, you know, it was just a, a nice afternoon. I want to go up for a sunset flight. It was a good day. June 18th, and uh, I believe it was a Thursday, yep. So decided to go flying, and I have a, a spot that I like to go to, the low level is close to my house, a uh, big open fields with no power lines, a county road with no power lines on it. Got down there, had a good time. You saw that was the first half of the video, basically. Uh, just playing around, doing a little leveling. I'm still new, so I'm kind of practicing mixing my turns with the throttle and, and maintaining kind of a constant altitude uh first sure. round um uh, so I'm, I'm definitely still in the learning process but every time i fly i feel like i get a little bit i progress just a little bit um i try to do something a little bit more and i'm you know lack of other words i'm constantly pushing myself to become a better pilot um, absolutely <clears throat> so i was having a good time i felt totally comfortable in my motor the, the weather was calm there was uh i think the forecast was something like three gusting 10 
And there was really, it was late in the afternoon. I'd already been flying 30 minutes when this happened. So there was really no wind or gust that I know of that had an impact on this accident. I can't blame it on weather for sure. Um, so I, I cross over to some other fields that I have low leveled over a few times and you know, they're hay fields. Um, just, just having a good time trying to actually working on a new route that I fly low level all the time was my goal. Um, so I decided I'm going to fly low beside these bales of hay. And if you notice in the video, at first I'm headed in the, the southern direction and I come pretty close to a bale of hay. Um, you can actually see the video that my body twerks just a little bit where I move away from it. So I got kind of close to the first one, um, probably a little closer than what I wanted. Um, and I so flew over a different so from field. A, from, sorry, from an outside perspective, when you went over the first hay bale, it did look like from from my vantage point like you did touch the first one it kind of like by you like the like you mentioned with your body it did yep. look like you made contact with that so yeah you just and I, and I, I barely did on the top of the bell of the hay with my okay. foot i barely made contact all okay. right so that did, you know i was you know i was already cutting it close at that point and i was having a good time i didn't think i had anything to be worried about um so I fly down the field, I U-turn in front of the neighbor, the guy that comes out and helps me. Um, you know, even though he's an Alabama fan, I'm an Auburn fan, he came to my rescue, you know, uh, for any of y'all that know about SEC football. But anyway, uh, he, he, came, he saw the whole thing, and he turned around, he, he came out there and helped me. But I, I was waving at him, and I turn around, I'm heading back towards the same bells of hay, um, covering basically the same area. Not exactly the same flight path, so I wasn't flying through my own wake. I was, you know, probably 50 yards over. Um, so I look ahead and I'm flying low and I see these two bells of hay dead ahead. And I say, I think I'm going to split that gap. And um, so that's what I do. I fly straight for it. And from the video, looking back at it, it looks like I was spot on until the end um, as far as splitting them. A lot of things shouldn't happen. Those bells of hay were too close for my expert level, for my knowledge level, uh, experience level. Um, I shouldn't have been there in the first place. I know that, but um, long story short is when I got closer to the bells of hay, and it all happened so quickly, but I felt like I was a little too far to the left at the last minute, so my instinct was to pull right brake, and I believe that put me going the wrong way, closer into the bell of hay, and once I realized that, you know, I'm barely going to hit this thing, um, my instinct, unfortunately, was to, to use my left foot to kind of just lightly push off of the bell of hay. Um, you know, I'm flying at about 20, 21 miles an hour on a mojo large. You know, it's not like you're really hauling butt. But, but anyway, so I thought I was going to be able to push off of it. Um, I did not really feel like a real extreme impact other than it shook me a little bit. Um, but Instantly, I looked down before before I kind of did a butt slide to a landing. Um, I looked down, I saw my foot hanging sideways, and instantly I knew, oh man, I screwed up. Um, got messed up. <laughs> uh, and, you know, the, the process is basically I just uh, kind of just fell to my butt. I lost most of my a lot of my momentum when my leg hit, I think, and I kind of fell to my butt and slid just a short distance and. And I didn't get my engine killed until after that happened. Um, luckily, my wing was still above me. There was no damage to the risers or anything. But the left side of the cage of the paramotor also hit the bell of hay 
just enough to deflect the titanium frame back into the propellers. So I did break both propellers, um, about three inches off one and two inches off the other. That was the only damage to the paramotor other than about a foot diameter hole in the netting, which I got to stitch up. But it all happened pretty quickly, and you know, as soon as I got on the ground, like, holy crap, uh, Shane, are you drag racing? Good call. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> What's up, JP? What's up? Go, go ahead and talk. So, yeah. so for for everyone that that's not able to to see or hasn't seen the video. The bales of hay that Brian's talking about are the rolled up style bales of hay, the round ones that stand they're about, about 500. Six, Yeah, they're, they're about, about six or six or eight feet tall and they weigh nearly a thousand pounds. So to a human being, they're an immovable object. They're, they're, they're about 500 pounds. I, I, I know, let's just say, I know. I have family that push those around all day long, but yeah, they're, they're nothing you want to kick while flying. Trust me, <laughs> oh, trust Brian. Yeah. So, yeah, for sure. so did you did you get caught up in it? Did you did your foot penetrate the bale? Was there netting that grabbed a hold of your boot? We that was another thing that nobody could really get a takeaway from the video. Did it bite right. you, or did you just have an incident? I think it was just the impact. I did have boots on that the top two laces parts are loops. So there was the thought that maybe the loop got stuck on the the bale hay the wire that, that wraps it up. Um, I don't think so. There's no sign of damage like that to my boot, um, and, but we did not investigate the bale of hay. Um, by the time I went back to that field, those bales were gone. So sure. we, went, we went back and looked for the tips of my prop, but we couldn't find them. Um, but anyway, so yeah, I mean, I didn't move that bale of hay, and as far as I know, I didn't get one of those hooks on my boot, boots um, hooked on something, um, but it's possible. You know, I, I can't really say definitively one way or another. But, you know, they say, they told us in training not to wear those kind of boots. And, you know, I've, I've always worn boots like that. And, you know, knock on wood, I've never got a riser stuck in them while walking around my wing. But, uh, you know, anyway, I guess you probably shouldn't wear those flying. But you should well, basically try to avoid bells of hay. I can, I can tell you from personal experience because of a stalled wing in a tree landing, that they're not the particular pair of footwear that are great for flying. Yeah. I, I, I wound up having that happen to me on a coastal cliff launch. And the only out that I had at that point was to do full stall and then have a tree landing. Otherwise I was gonna be flying a cliff with my foot stuck above my head in the lines. Oh, hey, are, we, are we live right now? What's going on? We're recording, we're recording the show live, and then it'll be rebroadcasted on YouTube. Sean's going camping, so the show is going to be recorded and then rebroadcasted. Gotcha. So, you can, so you, you can say things that we can edit out. <laughs> <laughs> like, all, like all of Shane's noise for drag racing he's doing, or his wife's doing, <laughs> whatever it is. It was a sorry Dodge Cummings next to me trying to, I don't know, trying to mess with a uh, Hyundai Santa Fe, and they got smoked. I don't know what happened. Does that thing got a Hemi? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so if, if, we, if, if we were to go back to the hay bales, as you're approaching them, and you, you've got your hands up, and you're flying to the gap, if, if you could rewind the clock and do that again, what would you do different? 
um, I would definitely pull both brakes a lot more to flare above the bell. Because um, I think with a Mojo large as the A-rated wing, it's, it's a pretty slow, non-responsive wing. It's not, a, you know, it's not an advanced wing. Um, I think that might have been my only out. Um, also, if I would have just curled in my legs and let the frame of the motor hit the bell or glance off, I would have walked away with equipment damage, you right. know, um, you know, more than likely. I can't say anything for certain if it didn't happen. But, um, yeah, I mean, a couple things, you know, right off the bat, I could have done better was not put myself in that position and not been that low or the bells of hay. Maybe made some practice runs 10 feet above the bells of hay, you know, or, or just not been in that situation. Um, in the first place, but that's see, that's it's easy to, to say that now. It's easy to fact. say, man, you shouldn't do that. But every one of us freaking does that. Like, if it's you haven't played, low, man, I mean, it's, it's yeah. just fun down low. Um, if you haven't done a hay bell slalom, you're, you know, <laughs> I know you're going to. Like, <laughs> they beg to be slalom, yeah, you know. I, I've yeah, never I, kicked I just, one, but it seemed like a so, safe thing to do. And, uh, you know, I see lots of people do it, but they have more experience, more advanced equipment, um, you know, to make those kind of – their instinctive reactions are probably a lot better than mine, too. Um, yeah, sticking my foot out to deflect off that bell of hay was just a was a bad move, man. I busted my butt on a one-wheel a few times of mountain bikes, and my habit seems to be to sacrifice a limb for the rest of my body, you know, put an <laughs> arm out there or something. And, right. uh, it, it costs me sometimes. <laughs> um, would would you say in in that I would be correct in interpreting it as a, a accident of intermediateitis? Intermediateitis. Okay. Um, so the, the the definition of the phrase is is when you're at an intermediate stage where you're you're surpassed the beginner but haven't quite hit the level of what would be called advanced. And so yeah. you kind of cognitively play in the advanced pool mentally while your physical skills haven't quite achieved that advanced level. And that slight gap in between is what causes a malfunction or an accident. Absolutely. I, I didn't know what the name, the, the meaning of the word was, but uh, I would definitely fall into that category. Um, because it's a dangerous as a as an instructor, it's a dangerous position that that students get into when they hit that fifty to a hundred hour mark, where they've surpassed the beginner stage. I can launch, I can land, I can fly, I can do the basic maneuvers of paramotoring without fear or without worry. But when we start going into foot drags or swoop landings or hopping over power lines or tree lines, and you misjudge your climb rate or misjudge your turn rate or misjudge your sink rate is when you have that caged butt landing or that accidental tree landing or that really crappy call to the FAA that you took out the power lines in the county road and that so that that's one of those we we see it within the sport and it's really hard to self-regulate I know that I've been guilty of it several times and the one thing that brought me back to home was having an engine out. So being out flying low over fields that aren't really a good landing option. Mm -hmm. And then the one day that you 
put yourself in a good position, but then the engine dies and then you have to have a forced engine out landing. It re reassures to you that not every flight is that glorious good day and that at any point what you're relying on for flight is not necessarily reliable. Yep. And, and we, you know, it's, it's one of those, we always believe when we're flying low over a field or when we're crossing over a river or maybe a pond or a lake, that that's not ever going to be the time that my motor will give up. It's been running great for 60 hours. Why would it happen to me today? And that's when you foul a plug or, 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 or crack an exhaust or something to that effect. And, and we've all kind of been there to some degree. And it's that humbling experience that brings us back to that. I'm still a beginner. You know, you're, you're like, I'll accept the fact that I'm still learning lots of things today. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I think that's a very, very fair assessment of me. Um, you know, I had, you know, I know you, I don't know much about your training school out there. I, I know, I don't know much about any other training school other than Aviator. Um, sure. That's where I went to school at, down in Florida, and I can't speak highly enough about the guys personally and the training. Um, so I felt like I was putting myself in, you know, the best training I could get, you know, for south southeastern United States anyway. Mm -hmm. And um, Eric is going to you know, be so disappointed, man. I, I, <laughs> yeah, he's he's already reached out to me. Um, I'm just teasing. They, they wanted to, he, he's he's a good guy, but you yeah. know, I felt like I was. Uh, putting myself in a really good position to become a good pilot. Um, I was trying to really play it safe though. You know, I, you know, I was on the fence about going between the Mojo, the Ozone Mojo and the Spider 3 um, at training for my initial, initial purchase. I decided, you know, I'm gonna buy a Mojo, the safest wing, the A-rated wing, um, and just fly it for a year and we'll go from there. I was feeling really good with the Mojo um, and I was actually already looking into buying my Spider 3, thinking, okay, it's time for my next wing. Um, so I, at this point, I'm about to step back and fly my mojo a little bit more. Um, I still have a lot of learning that I can do on a mojo, um, before I move to, uh, you know, a spider three where, you know, I got 14 inches of, of trim and, you know, a real reef. So the, the thing that I can tell you, because I train my students with a spider is the only real advantage you get with the spider over the mojo is a little bit more wind speed. So if you're flying in a place, and, it, and this is one of those dependent upon your environment, and it depends for some people on what conditions they're willing to go fly in. But if, right. you're, a, if you're a coastal flyer, or if you have a place that has generative valley winds, then a spider is going to give you that little bit faster trim speed that will allow you to benefit in that little bit higher wind. Right. That's, that's all, the only real given benefit to going from a mojo to a spider is just that little bit of speed. The spider is, is a, a B-rated wing and it will still sort itself out in any and all collapses with very little or no pilot input. The only thing that a spider is reluctant for is stalls. A spider is not a wing that you want to do any stalls on. But as an, a person of, you know, color, I like to call it, who goes up and finds the nasty stuff to play in, I don't go stall the wing. It's not something I purposefully do. So it's not necessarily a concern. 
because it's not something that I encourage or expect someone else to do. You know what I mean? But yeah, if you want to, you know, if, if you've got 50 hours, 40 or 50 hours, if you've been flying since November, um, going to a spider wouldn't be anything that would be surprising to you. It would be very comfortable, especially in a, and especially in a moderate size. If you were flying a 24 to 26, it would just be a, a nice, fun wing. The brake pressure isn't anything scary or going to be dangerous. And then it gives you the ability, if you want, to bring 2D steering in when you're ready to try that. So it's a good growth wing. I, I, I like it. I, the only, like I said, the only thing I hold against the Mojo is it's slow. And where I live and where we fly and train, we have valley winds. And so if you get up to 1,200 feet, you could be flying in 12 or 15 knot winds, which will basically park a Mojo. But a spider, right. you can let the trims out and you can cruise at 30 knots. And so you still have plenty of headway. Yeah. That's the one yeah, and, nice benefit. And that was one of the reasons I was on the fence about whether or not to get a spider or the mojo. But so long story short is it sounds like if I'd have been on a spider, it wouldn't have gave me any more performance in that situation that would have saved my butt. Um, not necessarily, no. Yeah. Now, tell me this. Um, you know, it's my understanding, you know, going through training that, you know, our body and motor is a pendulum swinging underneath the wing when you make you know, when you hit a brake, left brake or right brake, deflect the trailing edge. If you're flying a straight line level and there's no wind and you pull your right brake, which way does your body swing initially? Well, that depends on whether you're using weight shift or not. So that's the key element to the question of control. So when, like, I'm sure you heard it a thousand times when you trained the aviator, look, lean, pull. Yeah. Right. Look, lean, yeah. pull. Uh, I, I was not weight shifting at the time. Right. And, and so that that's, that's the, the key element that I would point out in saying when you want your body to go right or you want your body to go left, you have to implement a lot of weight shift to get the generation because you're articulating. See, what, what a lot of people don't understand is the wing with weight shift articulates, right? You're able to lower one riser and raise one riser. With a, with a harness or a, a setup that's like a flat top, for instance, with fixed bars, you're not able to articulate the wing. You can load, you can move your body and load one carabiner or load the other, but you can't right. actually change the profile of the wing. So when we talk about look, lean, turn, the, the articulation of the wing is what's going to give you your roll rate versus your yaw rate. So by weight shifting and pulling brake, you would have initiated roll and yaw together, turning you away from the hay bale. By using brake only, you swing the wing to one side, but it doesn't necessarily mean that your body moved position. What you okay. did was this. You just leaned on an axis. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. And, you know, as I was pulling out right brake, I guess in a video you can tell that I, I don't know if I'm kind of crunching up at this point, but my left hand does come down a little bit too. So it's, at the point right before I hit the bell of hay, you know, you can tell I'm, I'm pulling both brakes a little bit. But my, my gut instinct in the last second was to pull that right brake to try to move right and go around that bell. And I think that had an opposite effect. Um, but 
from what you're saying is it might not have had much effect at all because I did not have the time to say, okay, look, lean, and then pull the brake. I was coming in and I, I gave a little pull on the right brake and, and the next thing I know I was in a bell of hay. So the, the instruction that I give most people in that scenario is power is always your friend. So if you're coming at an object and it feels uncomfortable, power is your friend. You just go to a climb because your yep. safe space is in the air. It's really hard to hit things in the open air. And like you said, it, it's one of those, you climb over it. I was headed for the gap, but it didn't feel good. So I climbed over the gap and I'll go 180 degrees and come at it another way or another pass or another track. You know, that's, that, that's that. I like to tell people that's that danger commitment. The, the, you know, when you commit that honest to God, 100% commitment to flying through a gap, you know, it's, you, you kind of accept the risk of what you're doing and the outcome hopefully is good. And 90% of the time it is, but it's that slim 10% of the time that you hope it's just like an awkward landing or a butt landing or something, but you don't anticipate having your foot taken off. You know what I mean? Like that's a, yeah. that's an unusual circumstance. It's a series of unfortunate events for sure. I mean, you know, I would go back and do a lot of things differently if I could, you know, I would fly over the bells of hay 10 feet higher, you know, just look down at them in video or whatever. But, you know, but never that day, even when I saw that black cat, I failed my first launch because it was just hot and, you know, it wasn't very humid. It wasn't too bad humid, but anyway, there was zero wind and, you know, with a mojo, I, I ran hard and it wasn't quite enough. But, you know, I've seen pros fail launches, no big deal. So I put my big boy pants on and I spread my wing back out and, uh, you know, I get back up and then here comes a black cat crossing the runway. I was like, ah, no big deal, man. I'm flying today. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you know if tomorrow if I saw a black cat cross the path, I wouldn't care. I'd still fly. I don't care about that. But it was just kind of funny to see. Um, but I would have definitely kept more altitude over the bells of hay, just knowing that if you have a motor out or one just slight mistake, it could cost you. Um, I, I, I think that if I would have pulled both brakes, pretty hard about halfway down um i would have flared enough that without giving it much more power of course power would have helped too that i might have flared just enough to drop over that bell of hay but i might have come down on the ground after that um i, I think that if i would have just tucked my legs in once i knew there's gonna be an impact i could have um also saved stayed my leg from being broken and just been a bruised ego and damaged equipment so so now my next question is how long did you have to be in that field before you got some help? Because it, it looked like initially that, that your farmer friend was able to get there fairly quick. You yes. got to your phone, you called 911 and then had emergency come to you for the rescue. Is that right? That's correct. Um, I was in a field for a total of, I've got on a video, I can get the exact amount, but it's, it's somewhere around 15 to 20 minutes. Um, I was sitting there in the field. So the ambulance had to come from the hospital, which was about 10 miles away. Um, and so they came, picked me up, back. Um, I probably had a dozen deputy sheriffs out there. Um, and of course, one ambulance pulled up. But I was probably in the field about 15 minutes. I cut most, a lot of it out, obviously. It's just me to lay in there in the field. Um, 
but I had plenty of help. Uh, bring me water. Luckily, I, I always fly with my phone, and I know how to operate the GPS on it. Uh, sometimes I, I fly with the Spot, which is a personal GPS locator. I didn't have it with me that day. Uh, luckily, I, I, I knew exactly where I was at. I was within a couple miles of my house, uh, an area I always fly. So I was easily able to give directions to, to 911. But I was prepared to pull out the GPS on my phone and give them that information. Um, and I also had my dad on the two-way radio. So uh, I, I, do, I had uh, plenty of ways to get help. Do we want to show the clip or is that going to be done later? Uh, if you can screen share it, JP, go ahead. I think uh, Shane needs to uh, enable screen sharing. Me? I don't have the screen sharing on. Oh, share content. Hold on. You're the host. Oh, hold on. I'm the host. You're the host. Oh, you guys messed up. <clears throat> how do you do screen sharing? I don't even know how to do that. <laughs> I can read Hold on. <laughs> hold on. <laughs> I totally get it. How long you been on Zoom, Shane? Um, not long. <laughs> Hold on. I, how do you turn the screen share off? I, or on? It is a setting in. Oh, I'm in the. Um, I think in the video settings. It is. It's confusing. Videos. I get it. I get it. That's why Hold I'm on. always messing uh, with these guys. Just send me the list. Just send me the list. It is have set. Li have Linda walk you through it. She knows how to do it. <laughs> Good. Try it. She'll be lost forever. Hey, there we go. <laughs> so I didn't realize y'all did a review last week of the video, huh? Yeah. No, no, we, no, no. no. There, let's make corrections on that. Someone else on another channel made a review of that which <clears throat> i would not under no circumstances have reacted to any of that review the way that it was reacted to is that fair enough to say hang on a second nick didn't oh my god there's so many dogs in here we should get more dogs guys <sighs> well I knew a lot of people would say, oh, look at this idiot, what he did. But, you know, I made a mistake. You know, I'm dealing with the, the consequences of it, and I've definitely learned from it. I can uh, I can tell you personally, I'm thankful as a new pilot. I'm 53 hours since November, um, a new pilot. I uh, am greatly appreciative to you showing your video. Um, it teaches not only myself but many others. So there's um, the black cat. <laughs> yeah. It teaches it teaches us all to, to make corrections and to not get too comfortable in in flying. And I've been there. I've done this already. I've I've smacked a tree at the top of the tree thinking I could fly over it with enough throttle. Right. I mean I didn't get caught up in it, but I did hit the top of the tree and spank myself. But <clears throat> lesson learned and this is just another you know another video another tool that we can all learn from right right yeah it's like yeah, a that was clean launch goal, man. you know I, I was hoping to other people to learn from it and you know it, it was a 
it was an interesting moment in my life and I captured it on video and so I put it on YouTube. It just made sense. There you go. So this is a county road that I'm flying over that uh, has no power lines down it. So perfectly uh, we legal. Perfectly Do legal. It's perfectly legal. Yeah. Well, we, we call it our asphalt runway, but I've never landed it on it. Yeah, one of the first things I did was uh, I knew Tucker reviews these videos, so I think he was the first one to see this video before it was posted. But, uh, I'm, How? I'm what do you mean the first one? Train to Florida. Can you fix this up real quick? I just made a mess. What do you mean he was the first one to see it? Oh, when I first when I first posted it, it was private. Um, a couple of people review it for me. Oh, okay. You know how he does those uh, crash reviews? Right, yeah. Is he going to do that with that, probably? He hasn't mentioned anything about it, but, you know, I'm guessing this, he'll probably consider it. He's seen it, so yeah. he knows about it. Yeah. Unfortunately, I'd never like to be on Tucker's videos for <laughs> my mistakes. I mean, your uh, trailer video is close. Yes. All right, so now coming up on this first bale of hay right here, I was trying here's, to... Here's the field. Okay. Yep. Walk us through it. So I'm headed in a southern direction right now, um, southeast, I guess. But anyway, uh, coming up on the first bales of hay, and I see it, and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to fly around this. And I, I, I try to fly right over the top edge of it, and I, I basically did just what I wanted to do, just barely touched the top of it with my foot. Right there, you see it shake just a little bit because I barely Mission made contact. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Now and get out. <laughs> go down here. Straight, straight ahead is the straight ahead is the house for the guy that came to my assistance. Um, he's out in the yard waving at me. You can't really see it in the video. Um, I do a little mm -hmm. turn there and kick my legs for him. And at this point, I'm turning. I'm trying to make you know keep it uh, conscious of my throttle and maintain a constant altitude this whole time. That was my goal during that turn. I think I did pretty good. Um, practicing turn sharper, sharper. Right now I'm looking ahead. I see two bells of hay. Like, all right, I'm gonna split these guys and uh, pull a little right there. Like, go too much, and then boom. I was just man. If I would just gave it a little gas or pulled both brakes and flared above it, done a lot of things differently. It could have been different, but this is what happened. You see, at the last minute, my left arm kind of pushes out like Superman like I'm I'm not yeah. I'm not sure what I'm trying to do there um I had a problem with my arms doing that during training initially I didn't have my hands like pistons I, I did Superman um but I, I've never really done that on landings or anything basically just came to a skid on my butt here um the neighbor comes over pretty quick in his little UTV and helps me get the the motor off my back I, I'm basically working on getting Myself out of the harness, um, laying there. It's kind of hard to get out of my leg straps and stuff. And he helps pull the motor. I reach in and grab my phone here at this point. And the prop is broken. There's a little bitty hole in the net. But other than that, the motor's fine. Oh, gosh. Um, so you say in the video that you don't really have feeling that it didn't hurt. How long did it take before it all started to come to you? Yeah, so, so some of the later video that I didn't put in, you know, it shows me basically laying there with my head down, kind of like, mm, this is starting to suck a little bit, you know. Uh, but to answer your, your question, 
is my estimate is it was at least 10 minutes before I really started to feel any pain. And I sure. couldn't believe it. Um, I mean, that's I knew a, That's a thing. I, I it's like shock. Or, yeah. Well, I, I shattered my I shattered my left femur, so I, I sat up to see my left foot sitting on my right heel. So I kind of understand the feeling of I feel it, but I don't feel it. Yeah. So that I, I knew I was in shock. I mean, I knew what shock was. I knew I should be in shock. Um, I even say it in the video to the nine one one lady. Um, but I think I handled it pretty good. Uh, initially, the video it shows my foot sideways right after impact and then as i'm landing the foot is completely sideways mm -hmm. um but I, I guess i kind of just straighten myself out a little bit as, as i sit up there and it doesn't look as bad here um but on the left side of the leg there behind the boot what you can't see is, is there's, there's starting to bleed a little bit because the, the fibula stuck out of the out of the skin oh um, the compound fracture oh yeah. the compound so i mean i've got pictures that well, a couple of the pictures made at the end of this video of me sitting in the hotel, or the, uh, the emergency room with the foot sideways, and you can see the leg, the tibula kind of sticking, poking, and trying to poke out. I like so, how you started that sentence by saying at the hotel. <laughs> 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 Take a quick we, vacation to the Holiday Inn. We're yeah, going to try man. this first. We can make this work. Hold on. <laughs> so it was kind of funny because the lady didn't realize I was flying a paramotor. I kept saying, I was in a hayfield and I flat crashed my paramotor. I think I threw her off when I said hayfield. She thought it was on a lawnmower at that point, but yeah, several times she mentioned lawnmower, and you're like, yeah, no, yeah. a paramotor. Yeah, they. Don't, I mean, they don't get a lot of paramotor crashes around here. Hopefully, anywhere. So it was pretty unusual. So this is my dad walking up in the back of the video now. He had just gotten over there, and then my mom. I only put this in there. You know, the audio was out, but uh, my mom walks up, puts her arm on my her hand down on my arm, lets me know she was there um that's her there so anyway they were there in the field with me looking at my foot turned sideways and uh this is a voluntary fire department guy from a local love town fire department helping me out um you know they all did a great job so was, this was, uh, they, they so, got to me quick so this volunteer fireman here he didn't laugh at you did he no yeah that would be rude okay uh, they're all pretty interested in it, man. They uh, they all thought the the paramotor was pretty cool. Oh man, you fly one of those? I saw you the other day. Yeah, that was me. Yeah. Uh, I have people stopping on the side of the road all the time, watching me land and launch, and I'm sure all of you are used to that, you know. Um. So it's 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 really fun to fly. Um, I I love them. I can't wait to get back up. You know, I just gotta wait on my body to heal. I got my. Got my new cast today. It's blue. <laughs> how long? How long did they say you're gonna be? Uh, you're gonna be out without putting weight on that. Uh, so it's six weeks total for cast time. The first three weeks I've already passed with just a splint on. Um, mm. and then, so so I've got three three weeks from today. I get this cast cut off. They do an X-ray and then they go in and, and remove the long screw for surgery. It's holding okay. the, the joint together. Right. Uh, and I think shortly after that, I'm going to start being able to, to load bear. But I, I won't really know until they do the surgery, remove the screws, and go in there and get a good look at it. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping in a month and a half, I can, you know, I could be putting uh, some weight on it. Uh, you know, because three weeks, when they, three weeks when they cut the cast off, 
I'm under impression I'm going to begin physical therapy at that point. Now, walking on it's another story. Mm. I've been okay. There. I've been there with that kind of injury. Yeah. Yeah. Question. You're going to need physical therapy when that cap comes off because you're not going to be able to do anything with that leg for a little while. Yeah. I know it's going to be a little while, but, you know, I'm a trooper. I'm going to push myself and I'll be out of this pretty quickly, I think. Yes, JP. So, okay, thank you for calling on me. So, <laughs> did, you, did you did you legit have to wear a face mask when you're in your own room by yourself at the hospital? Uh, yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's all COVID related. Uh, my mom was able to come into the emergency room. That's a brutal picture. Ooh. Yeah, uh, that was bad too. <laughs> so, my mom was able to come into the emergency room, kind of deal that she could come in. But once she left, she couldn't come back. So I was only in the emergency room for a few hours before, you know, they, they put me to sleep right there in the emergency room. And then they, that picture shows after they reset my foot. And uh, so, so basically, she was not allowed in my room at all. Once I got my own private room, um, she wasn't, no visitors allowed whatsoever. If I would have been a minor, I think I would have been allowed one. But wow. so, so I, I was basically, you know, I was flying solo in a room all night, just the nurses take care of me. It's like these people that are dying from COVID, man. You know, they're dying alone. Your family can't come in with them, you know. Yep. Did they write on your chart that your foot suffered a severe case of COVID? I know, huh? Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, but they probably counted it if I would have died that way. <laughs> yeah, they are right. Yeah. Well, Brian, Brian, I'm glad you got at least a leg to stand on, brother. Yeah, man, me too. And it's the left one, so uh, I can still drive. I've already driven a vehicle a few times. Um, Funny backstory, um, almost exactly 30 years ago, I broke my left, my right leg. Um, I was about 12 years old. Anybody want to guess how? Jumping off the roof with a plastic bag. <laughs> Umbrella. Close. That was you, Kevin, right? It's, re it's related oh, I, to ADA. Kevin. You know I did that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not you talking do. about flying off a roof, but anyway. No, I when it, didn't uh, work, when it didn't work jumping off the fence, I knew I just had to get higher up was the problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, so about 30 years ago, my dad first got into aviation down here. That's back when ultralights were big. And uh, so he's been flying all, all my life. And so that's why we have a grass run, runway in the front yard. But he was still learning to be a pilot then. Um, I went with a uh, more experienced pilot. It was my second time up in a small airplane ever in my life. I was 12 years old. We got, it was a, it was a uh, oh, what was it? King Cobra. It's a, a cable suspension type of frame. It's really similar to a modern um, Quicksilver MX Sprint. So it's a fixed wing aircraft, open, cruises about 35, 40 miles an hour. Um, long story short, we got 200 feet. The engine quit. Uh, he, he made, you know, he nosed it down to the ground, maintained airspeed, made a last minute landing, flared it just right. There was a tricycle gear plane and the nose wheel, we hit a terrace and the nose wheel collapsed and it, it broke my right leg, fibula and tibula, crushed my growth plate. So 30 years nice. ago, I broke my leg in an airplane crash. 30 years later, paramotor crash. Uh, so ho hopefully that's it. <laughs> it was the same leg. No, it's a different leg. My, it was my right leg when I was a kid. I was going to say, I wonder if uh, it was weaker or something. Be, you know, if now, there was something that, like that. With the surgery now, when they fix his ankle, they'll just even him up with a quick hand right, job. Yeah. 
Yeah, right now you won't be uh, tilted to one side with one leg longer than the other. Right. Hey, man, you called it. That's been my problem the last 30 years. My right leg has been shorter than my left leg. I've walked my funny the whole time. <laughs> now you'll be balanced out. You'll be able to fly straight, and then you can split those hay bales next time. <laughs> yeah, I, never, I never could figure out why my wing always kites off to the right. right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but it's, it's just, they make for good stories. You know, I've been in the hospital for a snake bite, you know, and in the end, this will just be another good story. I'll look back at it, and when I watch the video five years from now, I hit that belly, hey, I'll still go, ooh. <laughs> but the, first, the first few times I thought about it, it, it was kind of unnerving to think about, but uh, I've seen the video quite a few times now. It doesn't bother me. But, so what was her name? What was her name? Yeah, the snake. <laughs> uh, Copperhead. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of my call signs was copperhead that's what a lot of people called me but uh so were yeah, you playing with it or did it surprise you uh it was at one of my, my older houses uh, near auburn alabama and uh i was just walking in my yard carrying a garbage can in front of me it was dusk and it was getting kind of hard to see it was one of those i was wearing sandals you know, there's just a series of unfortunate events came. I had a beagle that had three times in the past basically caught these snakes for me and, and zeroed out on them. And she had a special bark that she would do when there was a poisonous snake in the yard. I always knew, okay, there's a copperhead over there. I got to go kill it. She was doing that bark, and it's, everything it just happened so quick, and I didn't put it together. And I felt a little like a mosquito bite on my ankle. And somehow, I instantly knew what it was. I jumped up and see a, a copperhead slithering away. Luckily, they do a warning strike where they just kind of bite you without injecting a lot of venom, the, the adults do. And uh, he got me one fang as a warning strike, so I didn't have to have any anti-venom or anything. I just spent the night in the hospital and got a bunch of pain meds. So it, it wasn't really anything to it, other than a good story. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I got nailed in the left leg by a big old rattlesnake walking home from the bar when I lived in Texas. Well, those things are toxic, man. That's another story. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. That's one of those, like, between shattering my femur and getting bit by that rattlesnake, I, I can literally look back and say, Mom and Dad, you did fantastic with that insurance, buddy. <laughs> yeah. And that's something else, man. You know, I've been retired for three years, over three years, and I don't have, you know, I have to, I don't qualify or I don't want Obamacare and you know, I've been paying out the buttload for health insurance, like 660 bucks a month for insurance just for me. And for a while, I'm thinking, do I really want to keep paying this? Well, when I broke my leg the other day, that's what it's for. You know, so you paid for all them payments paid for themselves. Yep, yes, they, it all, did. All, all right there, one bell of hay paid for it all, man. <laughs> <laughs> no so are you in a motor? So you in a motorhome or a travel trailer? It's a travel trailer, 22-foot Winnebago travel trailer. All right. And, uh, I, I know by the blinds behind you. Yeah. Those, and those, the, the sconce above you there, that's that's the window treatment there. I know yeah. all about it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have the fancy digital background like y'all do. I'm working on my cell phone, so. Oh, no, so am I. You just go to the little the little uh, bottom right where it says more. And oh, yeah? Then you, can, you can pick your virtual background. I'm actually sitting in the clouds. I don't know what you're talking about. Whatever. What is that? JP's sitting in a place where he looks like he's been flying my paramotor. Flying with his dog. 
<laughs> Linda, Linda looks like she's at a at a house, but I am. Uh, <laughs> I love my house. Yeah. Linda's avoiding the Arizona monsoons. Oh, they're yes. coming, dude. They're coming. I hate lightning. Oh, why? The thunder That's my doesn't favorite. bother me. The lightning scares the heck out. Yeah, lightning and thunder is like having a free Fourth of July. It's like Mother Nature bringing you a free one. <laughs> so, Brian, Brian, when you looked down and seen your ankle not in the shape that it was supposed to be after you hit the bale, did you say, hey, this is not correct? <laughs> I, I, think, I know that was coming. Bad. Oh. Bad. The initial thought oh, that went through my head was, two. oh, shit. Fucked up. Yeah, right? <laughs> I mean, it, it happens that quick. You have time to think about it. I was like, oh, man, I messed up that bad there. And then, then I slid on the ground and you know, it, was, it, it happens quickly, and you know, just thank goodness that the shock takes care of the pain for a while. And yes. Let me make good decisions to get help there, and you know, I mean, if this would have been 200 years ago, I don't know what you do with an injury like that. It's tough. Drink a lot of whiskey and forbid the knife from hitting you. Yeah, exactly, man. Uh, yeah. You would have been pretty cool if you had a paramotor 200 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Imagine. Look at that flying man. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Da Vinci drew one. I'm, I, I couldn't recall if it was a fact or not. I wouldn't doubt it. No, man, flying paramotors, all y'all can, you know, sympathize. It. It's just one of the coolest things that we're probably going to do in life. And, so, uh, have you been scared you off? Or are you getting ready to sell your stuff? Or what, what's, what's the verdict? Oh, uh, no, I'm still thinking about buying that uh, Spider 3, man. What you talking about? Yeah. There you go. There you go. <laughs> scared to get back up there. So, does, does, this work. Work, does this work for a mask when you go to the store and you need to you get You know, I thought about doing things? that. I thought about mm -hmm. doing that, dude. Oh, man. This is, this is actually like this for when I go free flying because when you get up in the bright sunshine and the thermals and you're paragliding for four or five hours straight, that right. we don't really have time to put on sunscreen, so I cut it out so I can pull it over my entire face and get that SPF covering. I hear you, man. I right, right, something now, now. right now, I got that ombre thing going on super hard because I've been training all like out in the sun the last few days. I mean, I've been retired and up up to the paramotor accident. Like literally, the day I broke my leg, I just got done spending a month and a half building a greenhouse. And uh, so I've been outside working in the sun every day. I mean, I still don't have a farmer's tan yet, but no, I, I had a pretty good tan. I'm going to lose it now, though. <laughs> I can't sweat with a cast on, so. Oh, my God. You're going to go uh, crazy, dude. You're going to go crazy. It's only three more weeks. I'm, I'm halfway there with the cast. Uh, right. After, after three more weeks, I, I'll be able to, you know, take a normal bath or swim in the pool or get in a hot tub, do the things I like to do every day. But, um. Uh, oh. Yeah, at least you can drive. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've got a little oh, out shower here on my camper, so I've been able to stay clean. That's nice. Um, but, yeah, they, they definitely limit you and, you know. But, I hate, you know, I'm glad to say that, you know, the leg is really in such good shape right now, two and a half weeks later, that just a second ago when I got up to turn the air conditioner off for background noise, I almost got up and put weight on my left leg without thinking about it because, uh, it just doesn't bother me much. Um, but so I'm gonna have to take it easy on it and just, you know, make myself 
lay in bed, watch Netflix, and just keep it elevated for a few weeks. It's tough. I'm a very active person, and I'm trying to cut back on alcohol and everything else because I think I've already put on like 10 pounds and two and a half weeks <laughs> laying around. It's terrible. Oh, that's you're, nothing. You're going to have to bring a whole new meaning to Netflix and chill. Yeah, I, I am. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've I finished up one or two series already, so. But, yeah, you know, it is what it is. You know, it cost me some money, and it's going to cost me some downtime, but I have no reservations whatsoever about getting mm -hmm. back up there. Um, my only reservation is going to be putting too much weight on it too quickly and, and, and right. extend, extending the amount of time that it takes for me to heal. Um, so, I mean, you know, but before the injury, I hiked every morning. I, I would walk four miles, three to four miles every morning, sometimes two miles of that. I would have a 40-pound pack on my back. Because when I, I started training for uh, my training at Aviator PPG, you know, I lost 50 pounds before that training. And uh, I was running with a pack short distances on my back every day. And even after the training, I didn't give up on – after my training, paramotor training, I didn't give up on my physical training. I just kept doing it forever. Uh, I got into mountain biking, and that was just a blessing. It was a great way to exercise. It was low impact. Um, so there you go. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting back at her and, and getting, getting fit, you know. But yeah, that's what Tony Boyer does, his mountain biking. And he does the uh, paragliding with Robert. So, yeah, that's how he keeps in shape. Yep. That mountain Get biking outside, stay busy. nuts. So you could do FY that. FYI, round is a shape. Hair <laughs> is a shape too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh man, that's what I always tell everybody. I'm getting in shape. Hair yeah. is a shape. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I've been a fat boy most of my adult life. I was 50 pounds heavier than I am now, and uh, paramotoring was one of the things that really inspired me to finish getting into shape. And when I retired a little three and a half years ago. That was my primary objective was to quit smoking and to get into shape. And I, I gave up cigarettes uh, like, I don't know, three, three years and three months ago. And I haven't had one since. And I lost 50 pounds. And, you know, I was just a success story down there. You know, I, I really wanted to be there. I wanted to fly. And now that I'm injured, you know, I still want to fly. But. I'm in the I'm in the same boat. I stopped smoking four years ago, and it was the best thing I ever did. Good for you, buddy. Stop smoking what? Cigarettes. Yeah, you stop, stop, stop smoking. <laughs> what? <laughs> it depends, depends on which station you're in. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm smoking. Oh, I'm yeah. <laughs> I got to hit my mute on my phone real let quick. Me, let, me, let me rephrase. Let me rephrase. I stopped smoking things with negative effects four years ago. Oh, oh. That's what it is. Yeah. Well, I'm like, heck, now that I'm retired, hey, sky's the limit, you know, okay? There you go. <laughs> no, was, I've, done a, I've done a lot of things in my life, but I can honestly tell you, I think the best high I've had was uh, flying in a pair of butter, man. Oh, yeah. There you no, go. It, was, it was funny. My <laughs> wife and I were chatting the other day, and, and she says, you know, people are out trying all these different things, you know, dating other people and having wild relationships and things she's like you know maybe it's something to consider i said people do heroin is that something to consider oh stop <laughs> kevin kevin we gotta mute that one out of there you better edit that when 
and then, you've never done some heroin? things are not worth considering is my point sometimes you just leave alone and she replied with sometimes you just gotta shoot for the in the dark <laughs> I think she's Shoot trying to tell moon. you something, buddy. I think she's trying to tell you something. Yeah. Yeah, crazy. No, paramodern has uh, definitely it's something I've wanted to do for a better part of twenty years, and I finally financially was able to make it happen. And I've I haven't stopped. I mean, it's it's any chance it's flyable, I will bail on all my friends just to go take off to be all by myself if you will sitting Any in my chair you get to fly into a trailer you take it hell shane, yeah shane is so dedicated to flying that he even switched his phone service so he could do his live streams better i did i went back to verizon because spectrum jesus what a joke that is cheese and oh, crackers that's what i said cheese and crackers i mean my my spectrum service would be like i don't know having i don't know i might as well have like ufo service or something it was just wasn't good. There you go. Could be what what are you guys laughing about the you home of the seven dollar the home of the seven dollar internet <laughs> <laughs> what i'm sorry this e-cig is a little rough on my throat <clears> what <throat> So Shane, how how long have you been flying, Shane? I hear you talking about live streaming from the air. Um, since November. Okay. I went to, I went to school at uh, Four Winds. Um, over in uh, Avon Park. Hi. Hello. Hi. <laughs> What's up, sweetie? That's JP. Say hi, JP. Hey, sweetie, what's your name? <laughs> what's your name? My name is Benedict. Tell, tell them in the camera. Tell them what your name is. My name is Bellatrix. I love you. Beatrix? Bellatrix. Bellatrix. Nice. Nice to meet you, Bellatrix. That's a beautiful name. That's my name. <laughs> <laughs> is, it, is your uh, your name Bellatrix can fly? Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. One of these I days. Flowing off like a donut. That's a little one. She doesn't know the umbrella trick, does she? Not yet. I've got two girls, right? And potentially, we're fingers crossed, we might have one more coming. But uh -oh. this one here, she's she's the disaster zone. She's the one that wants to climb to the top of the tree and then jump out of it. She's the one that climbs to the top of the cat scratch post and then does a backflip off of it. My 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 little one, on the other hand, she's more timid and more afraid of doing things. So we've we've got both sides of the spectrum here. We've got wild as could be and then a little more reserved. <laughs> well, congratulations, man. Fatherhood is nothing. That's something I have not achieved yet. So I'm hoping one day. Uh, I'm not too old. <laughs> I tried to avoid it like the plague, but it just kept following me. <laughs> it just kept coming around. Looks like twice. It's it's funny when you get one of those women that no matter what state you run to, they just seem to find you and show back up. It's, you can't get oh, yeah. far. I'm just teasing. I love my <laughs> All right, guys, go play. Go play. Okay. Take your ball, go play. Thank you. So I know that some of you are on the Pacific Northwest, up around Oregon. 
Uh, I, I know this you're in Ohio. So are you are you scattered all over the U.S. or what? Yeah. So I'm I'm in Portland. Sean's in Oklahoma, and then JP, you're in Ohio, right? Ohio. And then uh, Shane, he's in Florida. He's a Florida man, so you'll see him live on the news before the end of the night. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Uh -oh. I'm Arizona. Oh yeah, we forgot about Miss Anderson. Yeah. Since we're doing a blooper reel, wait for it, wait for it. Yeah, this is my blooper reel right here. Okay. Uh -oh. But please note, I didn't hit the camper. I simply noticed it was cold, and I wrapped my wing over one corner of it because I am caring and a thoughtful Whoa. person. Whoa! Put in the first base. Were you doing a downwind takeoff? Like, how did you run? that far that and not get off the ground because in the video you'll see there's a, a a mound i actually stepped on this mound which threw me upwards which put your wing behind you and then it yeah. showed or it yeah, surges surge. forward yeah I, I got and you. The, the time i corrected it i looked up i was like there's no way i'm gonna make over the camper so <clears throat> i just i just braked it and and i killed the motor put the brakes to my butt and just slid because and you can see how far i am from the camper the time i flew from here over to avon park the rumor was that i slammed into the camper <laughs> i never even touched the camper with myself no, you went face first into that camper you ended up no. inside the camper from what i heard negative i actually I, made breakfast for them i, I would so say that your wing slammed into the camper the wing was attached to you, and bipartisan, you crashed into the camper. Mm -hmm. Okay, mm -hmm. I almost died mm -hmm. then. Jeez. Almost died. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But anyways. Hey, yeah, I, anyone you walk away from is a good one, man. Yep. Yeah. I knew, I knew when I looked up, because I was looking at wingtip to wingtip. I got the wing under control. I looked up. I was like, there's no way. And I just killed it. I just, it ain't worth it. Did you so think you about, back you out think about launch, kiting, right? like a couple degrees to your right and doing a crosswind takeoff? Okay, so I've tried those. I I did actually this past weekend I flew from the beach and I had that experience of crosswind actually lifting my wing up and it being literally different direction and then I actually tucked in behind a building and was able to take off, which would have I guess been crosswind. But yeah, um, when I, when I set my wing up, it wasn't directed at that uh, that area. It was actually um, directed towards the uh, airport or the uh, runway, which would have been not towards the campers. And then as soon as I brought the wing up, it just turned and went right for the campers. Uh oh, somebody, I'll be right back. Somebody's feet are tired. Dogs are barking. So is this a show that typically goes on every Monday, or is it kind of just random at this point? Well, this is our very first show. We've we've tried some other show concept, and and this is our first um, our first I guess real show. Um, okay. And it's starting out. Well, Kevin can fly. Well, Sean um, PPG Grandpa is is the the main guy. Right. Uh, Kevin can fly is our expert. I'm here for comedy because <laughs> I just learned how to fly. So I don't really know nothing. 
Uh, JP is very knowledgeable and uh, does have some really good input. And then we have hopefully more, well, I take that back. Not hopefully, but we have hope to have more people like you that have experience in making mistakes. I don't know how to word that correctly. <laughs> no, don't but worry, we, man. You got feelings. No, I, and I'm not poking fun at you at, at by no means. I, I totally respect that you posted this and, and hope the rest of us can learn from it. But Brian uh, is the content. I mean, let's yeah, be real. exactly. Tonight is is based He's the content, on... and uh, Linda's the eye candy. So I, exactly, I like... <laughs> oh, she's a buckle bunny. She's a buckle bunny. She's been for oh, stop with the buckle bunny. <laughs> you know, this is so. Yes. Here's, here's here's what I expect. Here's what I expect. I expect oh, no. within the next like six to nine months, give or take, that Robert's gonna get his tandem rating because the boys are gonna want to go fly. So well, Robert, they already, they already have been flying. Well, I, I get that, but I'm saying like Robert's gonna take them tandem, and then you're oh, gonna Robert's come visit. Yeah. And then Robert, and then you're gonna come visit, and then instead mm -hmm. of going and taking the jeep to Blossom and taking pretty pictures, you're gonna go tandem with Robert up to the top of El Cap and take really pretty pictures. And you're gonna yep. post all of it on YouTube, and then you're gonna have your own Linda can fly channel or something. Oh, like that. Uh -oh. there you go. There and you'll go. be the camera person. You'll have Robert doing the flying, and you'll do the camera work. It'll be like a tag team deal. But now Rob, Robert has to have a license to do tandem, right? Because he doesn't have a license for that yet. So somebody else should. Yeah. But he could, he could go to Tory and get tandem rated. Really? He's already got a P3, so he can go to Tory and get tandem rated. Just oh. another course. He just has to go through the course and then get a tandem wing and a spreader bar. Oh, you kind of have to go to like a class, right? Yeah, yeah, you do a tandem. You do a tandem course, and then you get your T one, and then your T two and T three. Your T one is 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 just says you've done through the tandem course. Your T two says you've done enough tandem flights that you show proficiency, and then your tandem three allows you to do tandem flights as a commercial business or for pay. Interesting. See, I didn't know that. I knew you had to do some kind of classes or whatever. Kevin, have you taken all those classes? Uh, no, I have not. Excuse me, I have to let my dog use it. It's 115 out. No, considering the area that I'm in, and there's already two really, really good paragliding instructors, and they both do tandem flights, um, there's not really a need to have it. And I'm not a paragliding instructor, so there's no real reason for me to go and get certified to do tandem flights and paragliding. What about Although paramotoring? I, well, I am working on that right now. So I'm, I've, I've been talking with uh, another one of the schools here in Oregon, and I'm in the active pursuit of getting all of the official PPG titles. So right. that way, when someone comes to train with me, there isn't any misconceptions about whether I'm an instructor or not. I'll be on the official website as a USPPA certified instructor. Nice. So, Brian. Yes, sir. What is, what is your goal, your end goal with this uh, sport of paramotoring? Are you wanting to go into tandems? Are you just wanting to fly as much as possible for yourself? Or do you have a, do you have a goal? Um, you know, when I was going through class at Aviator, I, I set a goal. And I set some pretty high goals sometimes, but I said, I, I want to do it. I want to be able to do what these guys do. You know, I want to be able to have the skill base that they have 
to be able to participate in a team like something like Aerodyne and go around and, and help, you know, just be a cheerleader for the sport and, you know, share my, share my experience and, and help get other people into it. I wouldn't right. go as far as saying maybe being an instructor one day. I'm not sure. Um, but I definitely want to advance my skills well beyond where they are now. Um, I want to get into paragliding, um, not just power paragliding. Right. Uh, I know that you're limited where you can do that. I know there's more skills that you need to do. I've never flown at a beach. I would like to, you know, I do some traveling with my camper. I've been all over the country in the lower 48. So I would like to get some experience flying in mountain type terrain. Um, all of these are, in my opinion, require some additional training or at least flying with some other people that, that have the knowledge to pass it on to you um, at a minimum. So my, my goal is to continue to build my skill set add wings and maybe motor another motor to my quiver um in, in the future and and just to keep advancing my skills until i get so old that i can't flip launch and then i'll get a trike <laughs> yeah right well i, I so tell you this i, I can ahead, tell Jeff. you from my experience um with flying a paraglider you will learn so much more about the air and about controlling the canopy that when you get done with a P2 course, going back to paramotoring will almost feel mundane in the regard of how the actual paramotor flies. You have so much more weight shift authority in a free flight harness, and you have so much more dexterity in the way that the, the canopy feels that the you get a lot more precise feeling. And then when you go back to paramotoring, it, it's, it's almost easier in a way. And it, the depth of knowledge you get allows you to safely fly into more conditions than you normally would. Because through a paragliding course, you'll get thermal training. You'll get soaring training, you'll get kiting training, and they'll even go, most of the guys will go through a small SIV-ish course with you where they'll do a set of collapse series of collapses and you understand what you're going to have as a feeling in flight. And then when you trans transfer those skills back to paramotoring, it just makes paramotoring so much more enjoyable because like I say, it, when I say mundane, it just, that's probably the wrong word, but it, it makes it feel more, like you have more confidence. Like you know what's going to happen and you can be a little more ahead of the flight and not in the moment of the flight, if that makes sense. All right, so question for the group. Question, have, have anybody done the SIV course or have plans to do an SIV course? I've done two. I'm doing, I'm doing one in August, my first one ever. Come on, JP. I'm not yet. If you're doing SATs, you really should go do an SIV. Yeah, that's what everybody keeps saying. I mean, Maybe you're just, you're at that, you're at that point where you're, you know, your skills are ready for, you know, I should have done it before I started trying sets. Oh, no. real. See, SIV, this is where people have a misconception about SIV. In my opinion, the best time to do an SIV is almost straight away out of training because yeah. it gives you a real healthy respect of what you can expect out of your wing. You know, we, we always worry about collapses where we're told to worry about collapses. We're told that it's going to happen eventually, blah, blah, blah. When you go do an SIV, and you purposely deflate the wing and you feel it bang open and it does all the things it does, 
you you get reassured, but then at the same time sure. you understand what it takes, what it takes to fix it. You know, you get a whole real understanding of the wings, not just somebody told you collapses are scary. Mm-hmm. And you know, then once your your skills progress to the point where you start doing larger wing overs, sats, big spirals, things like that, that's when you you are at a level where if you do a bad input and you wind up going from sat to coconut spin, you would know how Can to unload this spin without collapsing the flying side of your wing. You know what I mean? <sighs> oh man. Yeah, I was absolutely intending on taking one as soon as possible. Um, talking with some other people, the basic suggestion that they had was, you know, you wanted at least 50 hours for taking before you take SIV, maybe 100 hours before you start learning thermal link with a motor on. Um, I've heard some different feedback on that, but it was definitely in my future taking an SIV, um, just knowing how to get out of a situation and know how you're going to react, you know, to it in the future. It gives you a lot of confidence, I think. And that's well, what I'm like, looking forward like, to. Like we all learned in training, the key element to this sport is muscle memory. It's not really knowing about things. You know, we, when, when you're up there flying, you don't have time to go delve into the depths of your brain and the knowledge of flying. You have to kind of live it in the moment. And the, the training is there to teach you the muscle memory to do forward launches, reverse launches, kill the wing. And that way, when you're in a situation for high wind, you don't have to think to yourself, well, shit, what was the lines my instructor told me to pull? You just, you know what to do because of the muscle memory that's taught you. The SIV course is the same way. It's just to teach you how to pump out the deflations, how to weight shift the deflations, you know, all, all the different, what I call different aspects of flight. Because just because we're flying doesn't mean that there isn't 19 different ways that things can happen. You could have a deflation to the left, deflation to the right, a frontal, you know, like I said, you go to do a big wing over or a sat and you pull a little too much brake, stall one side of the wing, and then you wind up going into either a negative spin or a coconut spin. And exiting one of those can be very scary if you aren't prepared to let the wing fly, then check the surge and then fly out of it. And the SIV is what teaches you those timing to check it, let it fly, then fly out. Like it, it, it's just, it's like I tell people, it's like a mechanic having a toolbox. You know, a good mechanic has a huge wall of drawers with all kinds of tools. He may not use all of them in one day, but he has all of them there to use. You know what I mean? That's, and he knows that's where my, they're at and how to get yeah. to it. And, and that's my analogy, exactly, is he knows what drawer to go to when he needs that tool to use. And none of it's, none of it's buried somewhere. It's not a mess. It's, you know, that, that professional mind, that professional setting, everything's laid out in such a way where when I need something, I can grab it, I can do it, I can get it. And well, how many, how many of you guys fly with reserves? And as you're flying, you just real quick reach down and grab your reserve as a I, muscle memory thing. I do it 1,700 times every flight just to make sure that I have that muscle memory in case something goes wrong. I can reach down and grab my reserve and, and get a hold of it before instead of looking a- for it. Do you have a side-mounted reserve or a yes. lat-mounted reserve? Side. It, it, it zips into my uh, – it's for the uh, PAP um, frame. Yeah, it, zip, it zips in. Right. Right. See, I, I, I like that as, as a way of having it out of the way, but I prefer a lat-mounted container 
because there's no confusion as to what hand can get to the handle. So if you're in a left-handed spiral and you're locked in, and the only way for you to get out of that spiral is to throw your reserve, it's gonna be hard for you to get your right hand to reach in because of the G-forces. Your left yeah. hand is gonna come across, which means you can still get to the reserve handle, but if you have it on the right hand side of your paramotor and you're G'd out and you're having a real hard time pulling your hand in, it's gonna be right. a harder time because you can't get, you know, being in the harness and strapped in, we all know, I mean, you can't even get to a chest pocket barely. Right. I mean, it, it, it's nice because it's out of the way, but at the same time for the eye of safety, I like it to be on my lap and I fly with a lap mounted reserve. I got enough stuff I got to check before pre-flight, before uh, I take flight, adding the uh, reserve and making sure I clipped it in for a lap. I mean, you got to do that every time, correct? Well, every time, well, see, my, my reserve is on a, on a wide bridle that comes up to my shoulders. Right. And then the container itself straps between the swan arms. Mm -hmm. And so one side is actually tied in. It's arguably immovable. I mean, I can disassemble it, take it off if I want. But the, the right-hand side is on a non-load-bearing carabiner. So it swings like a gate. And the only thing that does is just hold the container in my lap. Right. So if I have to throw, the, the bridle goes under my arm, around my back, and then up behind me. So then I would be hanging from my shoulder straps, not from my carabiners. Okay. Because in a PLF situation with a motor on your back, it's better to have it on your back and fall forward, tucking your chin, than it is to have it fall to the back. Because most paramotors don't have a back plate and having that gap between the motor plates and then the gas tank, that space can create a void for your back to get broken. So hmm. it's better to fall leaned forward than it is to fall leaned back. Hmm. What about that dude that was, did you see that? Um, he had that couch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was, awesome. did, did you notice, did you notice he wasn't strapped in to that or had a parachute of any kind on? Yeah, I, I was, well, how's this all? Yeah. And he lived it out. So, that so was debatable. I was talking yeah. to a friend of mine, and my, 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 my buddy, he, he travels the world. He goes all over the place, PK Chile, uh, Dunes de Playa, all over Europe. He's a paragliding nutcase. He goes every place he can to fly. And he was saying he's flown that site dozens of times, and basically any time after 2 o'clock, it's all just coastal wind, and it's all just plainly laminar. He's like, you can go up in, on any wing, throw your hands up, stow the toggles, and spend all day just watching TV or texting. He's like, it's So he totally had a paraglider attached to the couch? Yeah, yeah. So he had a pair, a, a tandem <laughs> wing that was tethered to the couch. He had welded up a little aluminum frame and then had a TV, a battery box, yeah, and a DVD yeah. player. So he was able to sit there with his backpack, drink a drink, eat snacks, and watch TV while he's paragliding around. Isn't that the ultimate uh, Netflix and chill? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And when you watch, <laughs> you watch the video, he reaches up and he grabs the, yeah. the weapons and he only uses weight shift within the couch. I was, yeah, I was watching that video turns. today. Once, that he launches, once he launches, he doesn't even touch the toggles. He just lets them go and he flies the whole thing with weight shift till he lands. That'd be you, Kevin. You I mean, can you imagine the amount of work that they put into that thing to get a weight balanced? 
you know the thing that I was gonna say, the thing that had me blown away was the fact that they had balanced it out to the fact where when he was flying it, it was, you know, perfect underneath the wing. Yeah, I mean, obviously he did a hang test and he added weights and he had his position perfectly centered in that couch. You didn't see him sitting on the left side or the right side of the couch. I mean, it had, it had to be just right. And uh, so my, my background is- You didn't want to crash into a hay bale with that. No. <laughs> <laughs> Unless it was in a recliner mode. <laughs> I think so. There you go. Well, there you go, well, Kevin. If you, you did that, a you nice break little recliner from the thrift store and just hook it all up and go fly it. Go fly a lazy boy? Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah there you go. In there the we go. Go the fly a lazy position. boy. Yeah. You do it. Hey, hey, some people like to drive this sport as flying a butt fan on, or a, a <laughs> lawn chair under a bed sheet. This guy was literally flying the living room couch. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> that is crazy. Oh my gosh. Have you seen the European Halloween flying? Have not. Oh, you gotta check that out. That's a, that's something different. So they'll they make all kinds of different costumes, like sailboats, like they'll make like a full pirate ship out of like cardboard and surround it around the harness. And oh, is that they just want to jump off a dock and try to fly? No, no, no. That's that's the Red Bull Flutog. No, no. Okay. This this is a this is a flying that they have in Europe, and everybody yeah. shows up. Everybody shows up dressed in costume, like a Halloween costume, and then right. they take off and fly off the paragliding site all dressed in costume. Some people are dressed oh, as wow. Superman. Some people are Santa Claus. That's cool. One guy last year he had the 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 sleigh with all the reindeer and had balanced it all out so that way when he was flying it looked like the, the, the sleigh and reindeer was flying through the sky under the paraglider i do remember the, seeing that i remember that i think that was on the national news here last year whatever it happened yeah. <laughs> but it's it's they do it every year it's hilarious they do this halloween flying and it, it, the turnout is amazing the costumes are amazing the the european flying scene is way more intense than the american flying scene is that's for sure is that right Oh yeah, yeah. Well, they're a whole lot more community based. I mean, I, as as much as I love to say I'm an American, the the European culture is just totally different than the American culture is. They're way more community based. They're way more I hate to use the term, but socialized based. You know, they worry about each other more. They care for each other more, and it's it shows. You know, their camaraderie, especially within the paragliding club, when they get on the hill, it's like it's just a whole different feeling. Yeah, and that, that may be one thing I really like about the paragliding community here in the United States is, you know, you feel that camaraderie where you know, people care about each other. With so much other stuff going on in the world, you know, it seems like so many people hate each other in this country that, you know, it's, it's, it's sad. It's, it's good to have, you know, people like y'all out there that, you know, that generally care about other people, you know, even if it's just within the sport. But uh, you know, it's, it's nice to have that camaraderie for sure. You guys people are all family. It's people helping people. It's powerful stuff. Speaking of people helping people, so my channel, my channel name is Never Trust a Skinny Chef Shane. I do cooking. I do everything from flying, paramotors to hunting, whatever. So the other day, I ordered some uh, some rubs from uh, Uncle Steve Shakes, and uh, 
this is he sent me a uh, the first time I got some of this stuff to try he uh, he he sent it to me for free. Well, I ordered because he told me once you try it, you'll be back. You'll buy it, you'll buy it again, and he was right. I I bought it again, and uh, I bought four bottles of his rubs. Here are those four bottles, and then here are three more bottles. Oh my man! <laughs> and, he, and then he sent me two new sample bottles. <laughs> nice. And I I just wanted I. I don't know if this will get out or not, but I want to thank him very much because I'm greatly appreciative. Um, if you haven't tried Uncle Steve's shake, I don't, I'm not a, I make no money off of him or off his rubs, whatever. I actually spend money on him, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's really good stuff. And uh, I can't thank him enough. That was really nice of him. He didn't have to do that, but I'm, I'm greatly appreciative. That's cool, That's man. Because cool. you are my, the my, chef. My, my channel is about the same way. You know, paramotoring is just something I introduced to my channel um, starting last November when I got into it. But before that, it's basically just about my life. Uh, I'm a hunter, fisherman. I go yep. out to Colorado elk hunting every year, bow hunting. Um, got some encounters with bears out there that are pretty cool on video and that kind of thing. But so yeah, my, my channel, some of it's kind of boring. You know, it seems like uh, when I started putting out a bunch of paramotor videos, my subscribers start to go up a lot. And, and then I would put out something other than paramotor in one video, and then I, like, drop five subscribers or something, you know. <laughs> well, I don't – like, I, I've always said I don't do uh, – I don't do YouTube for anything other than a distraction in life. And uh, yeah, so whatever I decide to put on there, if you want to watch it, great. If you don't, great. Don't sweat off your back, huh? Yeah, I'm, I'm, it's there. If you want to see it, great. If not, then <laughs> okay. So <clears> – <throat> That's, that's, you know, I, I'm kind of the same way. I just do it for the fun of it. Um, this phone that I'm using right now for the Zoom meeting, uh, when I retired over three years ago, one of my best friends, Andy, he bought it for me, and he's been paying the bill on it ever since. He said, Brian, you're going to go to some cool places and do some fun stuff. Just take this phone, take a few videos, put them on YouTube for me so I can keep up with you, and uh, I'll pay the bill. I said, sure, man. Sweet deal. So that's kind of how mine started. And uh, Nice. Your paramotor, you said? No, his phone. Oh. Get your heads out of cloud. Come on. My, my, my phone is a Samsung <laughs> F7 Galaxy. Was that the question? No, he wanted he want to know if you if your friend bought your paramotor. It was your phone that he, oh, no. he bought and paid <laughs> for the service. You're uh, out of your own, uh, Tony. <laughs> no, I, I, I paid for my paramotor out of my own pocket, man. I, so I didn't you said you never, you never flown the beach. Technically, Correct. as a Florida boy, since November, this technically is the first weekend this past weekend I have flown from the beach and landed at the beach. And I've flown anywhere from 6 a.m. to I uh, went back up at 1 o'clock in the afternoon to like 3 o'clock and then landed again and then flew at 5.45 until almost dark. It was wow. – it was crazy seeing some of the biggest sharks I've ever seen in the air. That's and, another uh, that's another hobby of mine: shark fishing off the beach. Catch seven foot shark right off the beach. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've seen sharks bigger than that, and then oh, I yeah. thought to myself, "Man, what if my wing collapses right now?" Not only do <laughs> I fall in the water, step out of the video for just a second. <laughs> All right. Not not only do I do I land in the water, but I land on a shark, and then 
that's just my luck because I have horrible luck. But it was awesome seeing sea turtles. Right now in Florida, the sea turtles are coming up at nighttime and laying their eggs up on the beach. So flying and you can see thousands. And I, I, that's no exaggeration. You see thousands of trails where they go up and then they come back down. And it's just turtle track after turtle track up and down the beach. We flew for an hour. Oh, man, what did we do? We did like 50 minutes one way and, I don't know, 55 minutes back the other way or something. And, uh, I mean, it's just turtle tracks after they're making nests like crazy right now. There's nothing like seeing like a, a 400-pound uh, sea turtle come out of water, lug itself up on the beach, dig a hole, lay eggs, cover it, and go back down. It's something you wouldn't think would be awesome, but it, it, it's totally – to watch Mother Nature like that is crazy. Back to you, Shane. Apparently, <laughs> so, so, somebody should tell Brian to shut the bathroom door because his microphone's still on. <laughs> Linda, oh, how's the how's the fire, Samantha? Oh, Kevin. Sorry about that. So did your, did your dog go hide underneath the couch all night, Linda, or was your dog okay? No, they were fine. I was not. It, it was like, they stay in the house. I sat outside on the phone with Robert. It was like a war zone in my little community, right? Seriously, it was bad. I've never, it, it, as many years I lived out here, it has never been that loud. And there was like people shooting up stuff like five houses down, you know, for me on the main road, whatever, and, and, uh, seriously, we have a lot of, of vets that live in my neighborhood, you know, and, uh, I had to check on a couple of them because, yeah, it's scary, it's scary, but, you know. Linda, aren't you in a drought or, or a restricted fire band or something like that? Or, don't no. you guys have a bunch of fires out there? Oh yeah, oh yeah, a lot of brush fires, absolutely. Um, not not so much down here. I'm not like in the outskirts. I'm more down in the valley of Phoenix, um, mm. so I'm not like right there by the mountains or you know where people can be. Right. Um, yeah, it's it crazy. It's crazy, but I it, it it went on like till three in the morning. Just like, it was nuts. Oh, we keeping you awake, Kevin. Oh man, I, I got it's like noon. It's like noon for Kevin right now. No, it's not noon. <laughs> I, got, I got woke up early by the kids. Uh, I know your kiddies need you. So, so next week then the show will be like where people get on chat and all that stuff. This was what was this? This was just kind of like a hangout show for us. No, this well, is. Go ahead, go ahead. Kevin. Well, I was going to say, this, this, this was a, a little bit of a blindsided deal. I didn't realize that Sean was going camping, or otherwise we could have rescheduled this in a way where we could have had it broadcasted. But, yeah, you know, he did right. not notify me he was going we'll, camping. We'll, <laughs> we'll, be, we'll, be back, we'll be back to our normally scheduled programming next week. Okay, that's all good. Yeah, which is, like, I, I was wondering when he was at. I didn't even know. I just kind of. It's fine. Uh, crap happens. I mean, really, it is what it is. It's not like a uh, set in stone kind of thing, but we try. I guess we're going to try to keep it as a 
Like, I didn't even know I was hosting the show. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it'll go good. I think the show will go really good. Uh, I, like I like like I said, like I said, you got Kevin, who, in my opinion, I, every time I talk to the guy, he gives me information. And I'm just like, that makes sense. I can use that. He's 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 an expert in my opinion. There you go. You got JP, who's got tremendous amount of knowledge and experiences himself. Um, you got Linda, who will tell you to stop it and and act right. <laughs> exactly. Sean, I mean, Sean. Like, whoa, boy, whoa, whoa. Yeah, exactly. Calm yourself. Linda's well, over there you... with a sharpie and a mayonnaise jar right now. She's like, I'm getting my jar ready. You all. <laughs> I'm about to buy me some fire hydrants out here in the valley. Make sure I don't burn right. up. jar. <laughs> And then we just like <laughs> Linda, Linda, Linda doesn't like, need a Patreon. She has a cuss jar. <laughs> <laughs> Grandma, grandma's cuss jar. Oh. So I was curious if this was going to be on a live stream that uh, I guess there would have been a chat room with people streaming it was able to chat and potentially yeah. ask questions. Is that right? Yeah. So generally when it's ran on the, on the YouTube, there's a live chat that runs below the show. And then we're right. able to interact with the actual viewers, answer their yep. questions, address right. them with what, what they have going on. Which I would have loved, absolutely loved for that to happen tonight because there would have been a, a gazillion more questions that we could yep. never even have thought of. Yeah, well, that would we, have can been re, we can just redo it on Monday if you want. I can act like it never happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's, what, that's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, I was curious. I was curious about getting the feedback from you know a lot of people, and you know, y'all y'all have mentioned, you know, you've asked some good questions, but you haven't really told me what do you think I did wrong. You know, what what would you have done differently in my situation by watching it? Man, I mean, I have I'm here been, to learn. I have been in your situation. We we would. I went to school back in or finished school in November. I fly out of the the compound in Palm Bay, Florida. Um, there's hay bales out there all the time. I've slalomed them things along with palm trees and everything else. Dude, you've just taught me. You taught me <laughs> not to put my feet out for starters. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it is, it is, uh, I watch that video and I, I think to myself, I've been there. I have done exactly what you have done and just not to that extreme. You know, maybe I'm a little bit more cautious. Maybe I'm, scared more than you were I, I don't know like I just me personally I watch your video and I'm um, like I've said to you before I'm, I'm very thankful that you posted it because it teaches us all a little bit of well humility yeah and it's 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 humbling to to think that this could happen to you it can happen to any one of us at any given time well, that's um, why that's why I asked about you know whether the boot got caught or something like that because you know it's one of those if if it's a freak accident it's literally the definition of it doesn't matter how many hours you have you could be a ten thousand hour pilot and if you flew past a hay bale and your foot hooked the mesh netting and that's what caused your demise I mean that doesn't ever merit an experience you know what i mean like mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't care if you've been flying for one day or a thousand days that's one of those things where you have to just chalk it up to 
karma that day decided to rattlesnake bite you dude like you know right. yeah. we, we all kind of have that in life from time to time on well, on the flip side when you talk about the skill and and what could have been done or what could have been done better it, it raises a couple questions that i have that would help to better answer my opinion and the the first one is when you were flying were you flying with your hands up at trim speed or were you flying at minimum sync and then uh, we address the second one which is you know what do you think that you did wrong which is you know we discussed the turning so you know at, at the speed you were flying low were you flying at speed with your hands up or were you flying you know with with like a bit trimmers of in trimmer up yeah you mean I, trim I, was, I was i was consciously trying to make sure i was keeping my hands up to retain as much flare and braking possibility as, as possible and basically just fly the wing and control the throttle so i was I was conscious of my hand positions, keeping them up. And the reason I, I say that is because going back and watching some of my past videos, I have noticed when I'm just looking around with the GoPro, a lot of times when I look, I'm like, Brian, I'm pulling six inches of brake right there, you know? And I wasn't turning. I was just riding with a little bit of brake on. Um, right. So that's something I've been consciously trying to get better at as a pilot. And I was actually thinking about that very actively at that time because um, I was low over the field and whenever I got in that situation I was like okay keep your hands up hey my air conditioner just kicked on is the background noise too loud no you're fine buddy okay it's, it's getting kind of hot here um so yeah, I was I was actively thinking of, of my hand positions at the time um, okay because because my takeaway is is like I said, speed and power are your friend, especially low to the ground. It's kind of counterproductive for a lot of people to think, put your hands up because you get sink, right? When your hands go up, the glider kind of pitches and you, you start to descend. You counteract, with, you counteract with throttle, exactly. And in, in that regard, when you use the throttle as your counterpoint instead of your brakes as your counterpoint, that does leave you the ability to have that momentary climb in, in flare. And so that's where I, my two cents, I would say a, a little more of the, the hands up high speed flying when you're down low, because you can always recover with a quick jab of the brake. And then when close to objects like that, if it ever feels like you're getting too close or you're not on trajectory, things are uncomfortable, always climb around, always climb above and go you know go around for another pass you know the glory with with gopros is we can edit the footage right we can make it look like we did it the first time we just you know ease into things sometimes and i, I like i said and i know because i've had my my accidents before i've, I've snapped a freaking prop and slammed into the ground getting the downwind demon myself that you know learning from it in hindsight you, you can always tell yourself there's nine things i would have done and then you've got four or five other people that tell you nine more different things that you should have done. So I, I don't ever want to get over inundated with what you should have done, because if you should have done it, you would have done it and say, if I was you, then you'd be me and we wouldn't be here today kind of thing. But right. it, it, it's, it's always power is your savior. Uh, climbing over or around objects is always your savior. At, at any point in time when you feel like things are, are not going your way, altitude is always your friend even if it's just 25 feet so that's that's my takeaway is power 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 and pressure would have saved the day and and you would have avoided it but like again 
we talked about the danger commitment and you had committed to the gap. So it's really hard to then abandon the commitment once you've already committed to it. That's why we call it commitment. So hard, yeah. hard, hard takeaway. You know what I mean? I totally respect that, man. I think you're spot on. I mean, absolutely. Everything you said, you know, a little more throttle, climb over around it. You know, I just, I kind of committed to taking a risk and uh, I didn't quite pull it off. So Yeah. It was it was that ninety five percent rule. You you committed ninety five percent to it, and the five percent of lack of lack of dexterity got you. <clears throat> and honestly, I find it to be amazing. Like, I mean, you gotta start drinking like almond milk or something. I don't know how you just fell apart like that. <laughs> he really got bent out of shape. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I'm here for. <laughs> But yeah, like I said, that that's that's my takeaway is when you, when you're down low, it seems it seems odd to fly faster and not slower. But that that increase in speed gives you an increase in control, and that increase of control allows you to dodge, dip, dive, duck, all that kind of stuff. So, Kevin, let me ask you real quick: with uh, uh, intermediate wing or or uh, a wing, is it better to fly? in rougher weather with your trims in or trims out trims in all the way in slow right so you're this is where the argument comes in of collapse right and so when a wing collapses <clears throat> the wing collapses for two reasons one is to reset itself the other is because it got ahead of you and either way the way the wings are designed to collapse is they're designed to recover and so when you're when your trims are all the way in you may be more likely to take a collapse, but you're also more likely for the collapse to correct itself faster. So when you're trimmed out, you're less likely to have something happen, but when it does, it's gonna be a lot more drastic. And with a, a higher advancement in wings, a higher B wing or a C wing, even into a competition wing, once you start letting the trims out, you can no longer use the brakes. You only have weight shift or tip steer. In the event of a collapse, a tip steer line doesn't do a good job of pumping out a collapse. And if you grab the brake to pump out the collapse, you actually initiate a worse collapse. So the idea of safety, and this is why we tell people don't ever grab the risers, is if you take a collapse, your, your natural instinct is to pull or is to hang to catch yourself or catch your balance. So if you only have a brake toggle in your hand and you take a collapse and you pull down, you're naturally pumping the collapse out. Does that make sense? If you hold the riser, if you hold the riser, what we call riser fondling, if you're holding onto the risers and you take a collapse, that natural response is the is the pull just the same. But you're actually pulling the riser set down, which means that you're initiating an even worse collapse. So that's why we never fondle the risers and we always want to have our brakes in our hand. So when the air is is moderate, and I, I say moderate because everybody's bump tolerance and comfortability level is different. So when the air is moderate and you can let the trims out and not feel like you're in something that's uncomfortable, then you just add a little more power. You put a little more confidence into the wing and its ability to keep you safe. Right. But if it gets to that point where you're not feeling like life is comfortable, trims all the way in, all the way to full slow, and then you want to bring your hands to what we call minimum sink, which is basically the weight of your arms hanging mm -hmm. on the brakes. You don't want to be pulling them down. 
but you right. want to just have the brakes loaded with some pressure. That's exactly that's be your safest position. I, I did exactly that at the poker run when I landed out. I could not keep that wing above me. Um, or I could not stay under the wing, let's just say. It, it kept surging forward, except uh, surging behind me. And I, 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 had, tr I had full trims out at that, at that time. And I was just like, I got to let go of these brakes to pull the trims in. How do I do that when I'm actively flying the wing? And uh, I finally just said, well, if I have a collapse, <laughs> I, I climbed up to about another extra 500 feet. I said, if I have the collapse, I have 500 extra feet to recover. And hopefully before then I can get the, these trims in. And I reached up, pulled the trims in and put my hands back on the brakes. And I was just like, okay, now, now that my trims are in, I'm at the safest mode that this wing can fly. And I still could not. I've never had a, even a slightest collapse of any sort on this wing. But that, 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 after, or that morning, I totally thought for sure that I was going to experience something that I didn't want to. And uh, I ended up landing out along with, I think, about another a handful of other guys. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, there was a whole. Dude, my wife ended up picking up not only me, but three other pilots that landed out because of weather. Yeah, Rip, Ripa landed out, Dave landed out, a bunch of guys landed out. Yeah, so I don't feel, I mean, don't get me wrong, if I was the only one that landed out, I wouldn't feel bad because I get to live to fly another day, in my so, opinion. We have that grand old saying, there's there's old pilots and there's bold pilots, but there's no old, bold pilots. Right. And then there's that other saying where it says, I'd rather be on the ground wishing I was in the air than in the air wishing I was Correct. on the ground. So, you know, that's why I tell people, you know, it's there's there's never anything wrong with swallowing a little bit of pride and saying today's not my day. You yeah. know? Well, I was I was planning I had plenty of fuel, I had plenty of time. I just hit that that cold or it wasn't even a it was a front of some sort because we all left running from it and then turned around and headed back into it. And yeah, it was close that's, that's a weather condition that's really tricky. Um, do you ever practice your pitch control? When you go fly, do you do you swing like a child under your wing? Um, like like uh, wing overs and stuff. No, 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 forward and back, pitch control, swing. Like oh, a swing. Like yeah, swing yes, 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 no, 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 like a swing. Set. You throttle so you, up. You, you pull brakes. Well, you don't even have to use any throttle. You can do it only with the brakes, and it's really good practice because it allows you in those rougher conditions to have a better feel of not only where your frontal collapse is going to take place. But also what it feels like when your wing is behind you and you can control the whole thing. So you bring in brakes and you feed in brakes to slow yourself down. Mm -hmm. And then you basically dump the brakes and the wing will surge forward. It'll pitch forward. And then it, it just like as you would with a wing over, as you start to swing underneath, you then pump both brakes together evenly, which then pendulums you up. And so you do a porpoising effect up and down and you control the pitch movement by controlling the brake movement. Then as you get through that and you start processing larger and larger into your procession, what you also want to do is then stop the procession. And so by learning how to do that will then allow you to understand much better when you get into those conditions when the wing wants to surge, what it feels like to jam the brakes, to let it fly, and you'll know that your wing can actually go pretty far forward yeah. before it takes a collapse. And as long as you're loaded, it can go pretty far back. 
before it'll mm. drop off. Unless you're pulling brakes with it behind you, it's probably not going to stall. It's just going to pitch and then surge. And it's that surge where we just catch the surge and then manage the energy. So then the, the second half to that is you slow your wing way down and then you come back to full speed and you do it without letting the wing fall back or surge forward. So you slow down slowly and then speed back up slowly and then slow down slowly and speed back up slowly without letting the wing do the pitch movement. So you learn where your pitch movements are on both ends and then you learn how to hold your speed without letting the glider get out of hand forward or back. It's a, yeah, great, no. it's a great practice maneuver to just practice your pitch control. And doing right. it in nice smooth air when you have control and not mother nature allows right. you to build that muscle memory as well. Now see, I've never done it that way. I've always done it full throttle. So I'll kick my legs up, go up, and then just let off the throttle real quick and let it surge forward and go facing straight down towards, sure. you know, and then, and then once it starts swinging out again, then hit throttle again. And my wing will get really far behind me. It'll get really far in front of me. None of that bothers me. What bothers me is when, let's say, the right wing tip goes in front, but the left wing tip is right above me. So the wing is actually like pivoting sideways. So you're only pulling one, like if it's shooting forward on the right side, you pull right brake. Right, Control you're, you're controlling the yaw of the wing. Correct. That's, that's when I get freaked out because now I've got one hand that's doing nothing, but the other hand is fighting this wing and then it switches or it gets worse. And <laughs> I'm like, okay, dude. Now we got problems, and this is where I, I get uncomfortable. It's not, it's not a bump tolerance for me. It's because I have been in some pretty crappy air, and I'm fine with it. It's just when that wing starts doing stuff that I don't feel like it should be doing, I'm like, okay, I'm done. Like I went down. <laughs> so know? the best, the best analogy I can give to most people <clears throat> is when you drive your car down the freeway you only give the steering wheel as much input as what's required to keep it between the lines. Because if you gave it more than that, you'd be all over the road and potentially spun out and in a crash. Correct. If you go down a gravel road, you drive the same way, but you anticipate the vehicle, right? Because it starts to get loose on the gravel. Right. It's the same, it's the same mentality when you're flying in rougher air versus smooth air. So smooth air would be the equivalent of being on the freeway. Rougher air would be the equivalent of being on a gravel road. So as the wing starts, like I tell my students, it's like you want to anticipate and get ahead of things. Because once the wing starts to get so far, you only have one of two options. Option number one is commit to a turn and go with it. Don't fight it, right? Because fighting it's going to make it worse at some point. Or Correct. option number two is if you're ahead of the wing and you can be part of the wing before it gets to that point, you check the surge, check the yaw, check the roll, whichever direction the wing's going to maintain it. And that's that, that gravel road analogy. It's like when the back starts to step out, you don't let off the gas and you don't hit the brakes. You just give a little counter steer and, and you keep everything smooth, right? Because as long as your throttle stays smooth and your steering stays smooth, you can kind of fishtail back and forth two or three times and you're not really out of control. You're just kind of loose. 
It's not until you go, oh, shit, and you let off the gas, and then whoop, the back end wants to come around on you. That's, that's the, the mentality that you want to have when you're flying in that feeling of the air, is when the wing starts to get away from you, you just kind of mentally know, hey, man, we're, we're just going to drift a minute. It's all good. You just pull that drift, let it drift. It'll come back. You pull the drift, and you just be patient. Like a lot of people, when they start to get uncomfortable, everything starts speeding up. And the key element is patience. If you just a little bit of patience, kind of let the wing come together. And again, like everyone, I, I tell my students left and right, you have to trust the equipment. As much as it's uncomfortable, and I understand that it's uncomfortable, if you trust it, it will come through. As long as you don't get behind big buildings or big trees and start getting into big rotor, mm -hmm. open air, storms, crappy, bumpy wind, that all sucks, but the wing still flies. The wing doesn't care. Wind speed is wind speed. Rotor is a, a whole nother animal. So as long as you have open air, it can be ratty, but you can still be fairly safe. See, I did that this, this past weekend flying the beach. We, we ended up getting, um, what is it, offshore or onshore? On, wait, when the wind's blowing from mainland out to the ocean. It's, Offshore winds, so you're getting mainland thermals blowing over the coast. Correct. And we were flying, I want to say, 10.30 in the morning. It wasn't terrible. But I was getting, anytime I come up to large, large hotels or whatever, I would make sure that I was climbing um, 75 feet, 100 feet above them so I wouldn't hit any, any kind of rotor. And then you're, sometimes... Your bubble is... 30% of the object over the top. Okay. Well, I do. So I would. I, so I if your building anything. is 100 feet tall, you're going to be 135, 30. 140 feet. Right. That's where the top of your rotor bubble will be 30% okay. of the object. Well, I did pretty good because I didn't hit very many. And then sometimes <laughs> I would I would forget as I yeah. was looking at sharks and turtles and everything else. And it'll remind you. Yeah. And I, you know what? I, I, because I was over the water. And I had my flotation, not that I trust it 100%, but, I mean, it's better than not at all. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm flying 250 feet up, 150 feet. It, it just – I was so comfortable, but I hit the same amount of wind in the same kind of rough air that I did for that poker run. And, or, yeah, the poker run. And, uh, honestly, I can't wait to do this uh, SIV course just so I can go – this wing is doing exactly what it's supposed to do. It's not going to collapse. It's not going to do nothing but keep flying. Because, I, again, I'm a new pilot. I haven't learned exactly what my wing can and can't do. I don't know how much brake to pull while in the air before I have a collapse or how far forward this thing's going to go before it does a frontal. Right. This is, this is where the SIV course is going to come in. And Sean's supposed to go with – he said he's going to go with me. Um, back to he's going to go back to the SIV course. I'm going to go for the first time, and uh, I did see, and I did not, I cannot, I cannot show the video, but I did have a buddy of mine this this that I flew with this weekend um, do a a sat and a low one, and it killed his motor, and mm -hmm. he come out of the sat and let's just say he skimmed. He bounced out of the water. He hit the water, bounced, 
flared and landed in about knee deep water at the beach. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he learned a very valuable lesson. <laughs> I think I know who that someone was. <laughs> no, you don't. No, it, no, you don't know. Honestly, you don't. He, he, I did fly with him this weekend, but he's he's a he's a three year old pilot that uh, self trained and knew that these particular moves kills his motor and forgot about that, I guess. I can't tell you, explain to you why he did it. And literally he bounced, he skimmed across the water like a, like you threw a stone. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then bounced bounced back up, flared. And he, he, he rose up about 10, 12 feet and then landed in knee deep water. In front of his mom, who hates him flying. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was it was it was great. His his wife, his daughter was there. My wife, who you know, she's in the medical field, so but she's she's recovering from a you know one of her surgeries from from her burn. burn so yeah. she uh, she took off running. The woman is now <laughs> limping for like the last couple of days because she's not used to moving like that. She, she didn't stretch. She pulled a hammy. Yeah, she might. <laughs> she might as well have. Oh, she's dude. I'm not kidding you. There's there's a heating pad, a massager. There's uh, there's all kind of uh, what is it called? Uh, Biofreeze running around. So here. what you so what you're saying is, as soon as you're done with the show, you're gonna go give the old wife the tune up. No, she won't let me touch it. She's like, it she won't let you touch it. She knows better. Yeah. I don't blame her. Oh, golly, dude. I'd be like, uh, hey guys, you know, like, like I've been watching kind of like the summer's been really weird with all these pop-up storms. So does that kind of concern you? Like, because you don't know sometimes when they're gonna, because they had one, seriously, one guy, I think I killed couple days over the weekend or whatever because he got caught up in a storm, a paramotor. I think it was didn't, didn't he drown? Wasn't it a tandem or something? Something, I yeah. I've seen something on Facebook. Um, I, again, so this is, this is my, I don't know, my way of being naive, if you will. So if somebody, if I see a, a, a news you know, post on Facebook or whatever, somebody drowns, paramotor i don't read those because i don't want that to be like in my, in my head when i'm flying if that oh. makes sense you know stick your head in the sand kind of ostrich kind of thing you know what i mean like it, if i can't see it doesn't happen no, so i get invited like to go horseback riding or whatever at my friend's ranch or whatnot and then you're thinking back of your head oh man you know i don't want to like get thrown off this horse kind of thing. But exactly. Same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't read those stories. I don't watch videos of people crashing. Right. I, I I don't want to be part of <laughs> I don't yeah. want to be part of that in my head when I'm flying. Well and they I'm, didn't have a yeah, video of him or anything like that, you know, because respect right. to the family, but somebody had posted on there that yeah, that somebody had, had they got caught up Somehow, you know, the storm kicked in, and and lately the, the storms have been, especially off the ocean and all that stuff. They've been they come in really fast. Yeah, here in Florida, here in Florida, you can literally 
look to the south or look to the east and it'd be sunny as all get out. Turn around to the west and it is a category five tornado coming at you. And yeah. it's usually the same same time of day, every day. We are in the afternoon thunderstorms. So between 3.55 and 4.25, you're going to have four inches of rain. And then after that, the sun comes out. We steam everybody. <laughs> it gets really hot. And, and you feel like a, a clam, a oyster, whatever you want to call, steamed whatever. And uh, by, by 6 o'clock, there's no wind and we're ready to fly. Okay. And that, that's usually a daily, a daily event right now. This time of the, this time of the year. You feel like a piece of broccoli in a smart pot. Oh God, yes, it is horrible. <clears throat> I I say three fifty five because that's exactly the time I get off of work, and at three fifty four is when it starts pouring. <laughs> so we all have to run out to our cars and uh, in the rain, and about the time I get home, it stops. It's well, actually about two minutes after I get home. It stops. So, don't they get, call that a Florida car wash or something like that? Yep, it does. It gives just enough rain so the mosquitoes get you know they're they get enough. Uh, they get super hyper. <laughs> yeah, and then they come out while you're so you can fly right up till you know it gets dark and then you land. <clears throat> the problem is at that point in time the mosquitoes are starving to death. So as soon as you land and kill that motor, you are done. You so I got, I got a, I got a silly question for you. How many times when you get home do you have to pull out the Windex or Simple Green and clean the bug carcasses from your propeller? Oh, so well, I know I you're joking. No, no, you're not. I know you're you're kind of joking about that, but so even my cage, the cage from riding in the back of my truck, it's all it's, splattered. Yeah, the, the top of it, I, I go one day, go, why is this so dirty? And I'm licking my finger, not dawning on me that it's fucking bug guts. <laughs> and, and someone goes, the dog didn't even like that. Exactly. The dog's like, I, I lick my own butt. I wouldn't lick that, though. So it dawned on me. You offended the dog with that statement. <laughs> so I, I literally learned that day why one prop was always dirty on one side more than the other. Cause I always tied it right up vertical. Right. So I'm like, I never dawned on me. I'm riding home in the dark. The bugs see the light. They go over the hood of the car or over the truck, over the windshield and down to the bed of the truck. And they hit the, the cage and the prop. So the whole back of my, my entire thing is all tore up with bugs. I never dawned on me until Someone said, those are all bugs. I was like, what? Oh, I've been over here licking my finger and wiping oh, it up. I was like, never dawned on me. Protein, man. Oh, good. Jesus. It never dawned on me. And I, t I tell that story openly because, well, you just I didn't never thought about it. But, yeah, there are so many bugs here in Florida. It's horrible. No, so I went flying I'm, I'm the other night. I, I got down really low over this oat field. And was flying with my toes dragging the top of the, the wheatgrass. And uh, I flew through a cloud. And I don't know any other way to put it. It was a cloud of gnats. <laughs> a cloud. To the point where they're in your nose, in your mouth. Yep. I mean, even though I was wearing glasses, they're like inside my glasses. It was like, good God, man. And when I landed, I got back to the car, I landed. 
and both sides, the leading edge of my propeller was just a slew of bugs. Was like, yep. oh, pull out the simple green and clean the prop off. Was like, yep. God. Actually, I think I, I think I, it, might, it may have been subliminal, but in my own mind, I think there was enough bug guts on the prop to actually give it a little bit of a vibration. Now, when you have the ladybugs, the love bugs, not ladybugs, the love bugs, when we, we get two swarms of love bugs, they are, yeah, you've never even heard of them. Come to Florida one time when they're swarming, you, you'll know We've all about them. We've got them in South Alabama. <laughs> yeah, they are horrible. I mean, yeah. They'll, they'll hit your windshield like rain. You'll literally, yeah. it sounds like rain. <laughs> yeah. But then you make this mistake of hitting your windshield wipers, which literally just oh, blocks your up. entire view. <laughs> <laughs> I know all about them. So, so you're, fly, you're flying your paramotor. Anytime you get 25 feet or lower, all you get is off your forehead and your face and you're like, I know those are bugs. So keep your mouth shut. You know, you don't want to yawn or nothing. It always it makes me. It always makes me envy that mask that Mitch G flies yes. with. That full yep. face thing. Yep. And I never fly with glasses. I don't use sunglasses. Very rarely do I ever use sunglasses or any kind of glasses. Um, and then when the love bugs are here, I put on my safety goggles or my safety glasses, dude. I'm like, they're like, why are you wearing those? Come back and there's like four or five right at where my eyeballs are. And I would have ended up with love bugs in my eye, and yeah, but that's the only yeah. time I fly with them. I have to wear glasses when I fly because my FAA medical says that I have to wear glasses when I fly. Well, unfortunately, I'm almost 46 years old. I don't even oh, I have no corrective. I have oh. no corrective uh, eyewear at all. No contacts. No glasses. But, I didn't think so either until I went in to go take my medical exam to get my pilot's license, and the guy was like, dude, you're blind. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you look great. I was like, I see just fine. I was like, literally went to the optometrist to get the corrections, and the guy like laughed, and he was like, this is maybe perhaps like the softest prescription I've ever had to prescribe. No, I have, uh, actually. But it's on there. It's, it's literally right on my medical. Here, let me, right here. So, I so I had I had to deal with um when I was growing up when you go to the beach and all that fish we call them in Michigan fish flies. What is it? And those are probably they follow the exact same thing you're talking about those love bugs they call them fish flies and they you can you can Google it and they like stick to everything. So corrective lens is required. Well. I, I, they call them love bugs for a reason, right, Shane? Yeah. So they 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 their butts are together. There's two separate <laughs> bugs. They're they're backwards. The is it the male or the female that that runs or flies in the direct whatever direction? So now and I'm not trying to be funny. This is true. No, we're we're not talking about my looks. We're talking about this conversation. <laughs> So these love bugs, they're attracted to asphalt, carbon monoxide from your vehicle, and I guess headlights or something. But dude, they're so horrible. They're look up love bugs in Florida. Okay, you will, will, they, they will change the color of the front of a semi. Yeah. 
there's that many. Yep. They They're disgusting. Well, hey guys, my battery is almost dead. Um, is there any more questions that you would like to ask about the, the accident or or whatnot? Oh no, get your battery charged, dude. <laughs> Linda's like, I'm well, still I'm, I'm had it plugged in for the last 30 minutes. <laughs> I know, I hear you. I'm going to get going too here pretty quick. Yeah, I think we're good uh, on everything. I uh, I want to thank you, Brian, for sharing your story for real. Um, Absolutely. It's been, uh, and we'll talk to Sean and see if uh, if we're going to end up doing this live or, on, you know, on on YouTube, if you will, instead of a live stream. I, I have no idea. Um, Kevin, you got anything? Just my airman certificate. <laughs> <laughs> Booyah. Heck yeah, no, um, I'm just, like I said, you know, when we were chatting on Messenger earlier, I'm just super, super happy that, you know, it was it was an injury that, you know, didn't claim you because this last year we've had so many good people that have had accidents that, you know, we don't get to talk to them anymore and ask them about it. And, you know, it's it's humbling and it's, you know, really great experience to be able to talk to you about it, to learn your perspectives and how you felt about it. And. I'm really glad you have a positive outlook. I'm super stoked that you're still excited to fly and that you're willing to come back as quickly as mm -hmm. possible. I think that speaks a lot for the sport and how much people enjoy it and truly love it. And yeah, I mean, I, I just truly thank you for this experience and being able to talk to you about it. Absolutely. Appreciate y'all taking the time to have me on the show. And uh, my, my goal of posting a video, I was on a fence to start with was to, uh, you know, surely somebody out there is going to see this and maybe they'll learn from it. Um, I knew it kind of made me look like an idiot. You know, anybody that flies straight into a bill of hay doesn't look too good. <laughs> but no, uh, I, I, th I just, I disagree with you. I don't think you flew directly somebody, into it. <laughs> one slight miscalculation at just the right, right time. And, you know, stuff can kind of come together to, uh, to, to lead to not such a good outcome in the end. But right. One, one thing that they really taught me in training was uh, the sport is as safe as you make it. And uh, I, I, truly, I truly believe that. And, you know, I was, I was taking risk that I knew I was taking risk. I, I had committed to that risk, like you said, flying between those bells and I made a mistake. And, uh, you know, unfortunately I didn't walk away from it, but, uh, you know, it didn't kill me. It's going to make me stronger. So. P and we call that PIC. Pilot in control. That's what that is. Yep. Brian, yeah, I love all me, man. Yeah. When you say PIC, I just think it's something like that was a painful incident, Charles. <laughs> <laughs> I got to get Brian on Robert's show. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm Robert's PR. So. Oh, yes. And his I, mother. I so she can ground him. Yes, Brian. Okay. Well, Linda, I've seen you around. I've, I've seen you on some of the oh. other live streams, I think. And oh, yes. no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, was I supposed to keep I'm that a secret? You, I've seen you around, please, pal. You're going to have to watch out for your private messages now. You already said you were going to be all over you. should be moving next I'm week. I'm telling you. Oh, yeah. Robert already knows. He says, she'll Mom. Come. She'll come and she'll make you hot tea. She'll nurse that wounded foot back to health. <laughs> 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 
I hear you. <laughs> Y'all are all very nice people, and, and you've uh, I appreciate you hosting me on the show, and I look forward to the future friendship and, and watching your show. And uh, you know, I'll, I'll kick in on the chat from time to time, and let's stay in touch. And when my I leg gets better, my leg gets better, man. I, I plan on getting back in my camper and travel around the country and going flying with people that I've met. And uh, you know, maybe I'll get your way. Florida's a good place to start. Anytime yeah. you want to make it out to Oregon, buddy, I'll host you any day. Nobody yeah. wants to go to Oregon. I mean, yeah, Kevin, good job. Well, the, the only video that I've got so far that's got more hits than this video, the accident video, is uh, Rogue River Jet Boating in Oregon. And uh, that, that was a lot of fun. I, I, I did the West Coast, California, um, from Mojave Desert, Yosemite, the Redwoods and all the way up into Oregon to Portland, um, Columbia River Gorge, um, Mount Hood. I mean, it's, everything out there is just beautiful. And uh, I definitely want to come back out there. You know, last time I was out there, I didn't have a good mountain bike, and I didn't have a paramotor. So, um, yeah. I'll be well, I got, I got both of those. I got that covered, man. All you got to do is get, get here. You don't even have to bring a paramotor. I got one for you. Just just show up. All funny yeah, games. Man, until Kevin, you rock, dude. Yeah. It's all it's all fun and games until Shane's standing at your doorstep with a twelve pack of freaking bush light going, Where's the hair motors? <laughs> I, I got a three meter wing you can fly right there, Shane. Don't you worry, buddy. A three meter? Yeah, it's a three it's a three meter three meter four line. You can fly that all day. Uh -oh. You mean three zero? <laughs> no, it's a it's just a it's a training traction kite. Mm. Uh, run up and down. If you can get off the ground, good luck. <laughs> I've, actually, I've actually done it. I've gone to the coast. There's like a 20-foot dune or whatever, and I was soaring one of my planes back here, and I had my kite with me, and I went, hey, you know, I wonder if this would work. And all I did was tie the kite lines, not the kite strings, but just the actual kite lines to the handles, and then ran with it over my head and jumped off and was able to control the pitch with my wrists and fly it down to the ground. And right when I got there, I was able to pitch back and flare. And I was <laughs> I was actually able to fly a three-meter kite down the beach. It was wow. pretty fun. I wouldn't call it flying. I was more falling a style. But it was Controlled falling. <laughs> yeah, it was still fun. All right, Brian. I appreciate it, man. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Thanks for having me. And, uh, you know, stay in touch for sure. All right, for the rest of you guys, the rest of you guys want to stay on, stay on. Yep. And uh, I got to get to the family, so we're all here. Anytime, Brian, hit me up if you got questions or need anything, buddy. Absolutely, man. Appreciate it. If y'all are ever passed through Southeast, stay overnight, man. We got a guest house on the runway, so just let me know. All righty. When I make my trip to Florida, I'll probably stop by for a night. All right. Heck yeah, man. Love to have you. No doubt. Sooner, sooner than later, I'm going to have to go fly in Florida. And when I get there, my, my goal is to go from the Gulf to the Atlantic by paramotor. So sweet. Shouldn't be but one day of flying. <laughs> uh, it'd be more than that, but okay. But you have a place <laughs> to stay. Hey, Kevin, you have a place to stay here. I got a camper on the side of the house, full hookups. You're good to go. Well, you got that new refrigerator, right? The box is still on the side yard. It's all good. Pump box. That's <laughs> All right, guys. Hey, y'all. Right, guys. Safe, man. Look out. Yep. Look out for the bells of haze. All right. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Yeah. You guys all have right, a man. good night.
Thank you. Good again. night. Yep. Now.